Welcome, Mr. Revere. Welcome to the show. Can you just say anything just to make sure you sound good on my OBS? Feels good to be here behind the suit. Amazing. Represent Montreal. So, yo, my name is London Stefan Roy. Uh, Mr. Revere is here with me today. To, this is the show Bridge the Gap on the behind that suit. Lots of names. It's all good. What's important is that Bridge the Gap is the show where we take very interesting people such as yourself and we walk through your life and we uh, extract some knowledge nuggets, some just, just things we can like, learn and apply to our reality in order to be better plus get to know you a little bit better it's meant to be like unlike all the other things you've ever interviewed with or shall interview with again and it's just meant to be like a thing um now before we like really get into the the interview uh can you just quickly introduce yourself who you are and where you're born not necessarily all the journey just where you were born your early years happened so um my my father he's a rabbi so I, I, growing up, I kind of traveled with wherever he went. Before I was born, he was, he was rabbi in Vancouver and Miami. And then along his journey, uh, he, was, he was the rabbi in Sweden. So I was born in Gothenburg, Sweden. And uh, that was, that's where I spent uh, the first three and a half years of my life. That's amazing. That's a perfect, that's perfect. That's what we needed to get started. And yeah. uh, <clears throat> just a, what, what do you do today? Just as a quick summary for the people to know who you are a little bit, just like the snapshot. So yeah, now, now I'm uh, kind of following in my father's footsteps as uh, I'm, I'm in school to learn to be a rabbi. I, I, I did, uh, I finished my master's last year in Jewish studies and I'm starting a master's next year in Jewish education. And also I'm in rabbinic school. So I'm kind of like merging the academic Jewish world with the rabbinic Jewish world with pedagogy and then kind of trying to bridge all, all that means after. So you're doing the rabbi thing and you make music. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's what I was trying to get to is merge all of those worlds with my creative spirit and like trying to, to use art and music as pedagogy to use art and music as a tool for homiletics for inspiring people, which music does that anyway. So I'm just kind of converging uh, two languages that I've learned Fantastic. in order to that path. So we're gonna understand what all that means in a while. And in the meantime, that was like the, the little trailer of what you're gonna figure out what all that means at the end. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, but I do have my, my little token first question I like to ask everybody because uh, it, it sets off the tone and uh, we'll put you back into being in Sweden from what you can remember then. So it's gonna be fucking wonderful. So um, it's a bit of a story when it lands, you can just kind of take it away and answer and we'll evolve the story as it goes because we're gonna go in a lot of detail. Uh, so it starts with my girlfriend and she's washing the dishes and she's playing that Black Eyed Peas song. That, I got a feeling. She's vibing and she's doing her thing. She's dancing. And I started thinking about this song, right? Because this song is, is somehow now in this sphere of dishes music, of exercise music, activity. You know, you're getting yourself pumped up music. And it's like, it's probably always what the song's been. But if we think about it, something like 10 years ago, people were all up in these clubs and bars dancing real drunk to this song. And the whole purpose and vibe of that song, it was club music. But it is now exercise and chores music and that made me think about music and just how over the course of like a decade 
the vibe of a song can change so much and become something completely different. It's not static. It's just so very alive, which got me thinking about all the modern club songs today, all the Cardi B's and stuff, and how that's going to end up being kind of like future chores music and exercise music down the line, which is going to be a whole trip. That's a, that's a future problem. But in the meantime, if we can know that music is kind of on this journey that it's on within the realms of each of the songs, and then we think about ourselves as artists, that means we all have, we have our own musical journeys that we all, we all go on. And uh, as we do these journeys and we talk about them, typically we start in that more prepubescent adolescent phase when we attach ourselves to music via identities and we start caring about artists and acts and whatnot. But that's not really at all where our musical journeys start in like the least. They really start as early as we can remember such as like when you're three and a half years old in another place or myself, I can remember being like three or four years old and my dad's got these like gray boxes attached together with like the amp and the fucking radio and the tape deck and the disc and they would be going to speakers and he would run these Led Zeppelin tapes and at nighttime it would be the radio with the 90s techno music of Montreal and then uh, my mom would have discos and musicals and stuff I didn't care about as much and then, you know, at Christmas time we would have this like basically these like techno remixes of christmas songs that would get played you know and just it's just this everywhere in life had these vibes with these different musics that would kind of create this landscape of what my memories were and who i was then would go on a tie into who i am today so i was hoping revere you could bring us back to being like three and a half as early as you can remember and walk us a little bit through what it sounded like to be you right yeah so i i like that just that thought of of the the state of music it's almost like uh music when it goes on its first date it's it's in the club it's on the radio and it's like in its shiny polished state but that that moment when when kind of like a relationship gets to to chores and to the to the habitual day-to-day when it when it takes on that transient state that's how you know that you've kind of like it's reached that iconic level it's reached that place in your life where where it, it, it has like its magmatic undertone in which you're, you, can, you can be drawn towards and you can say, oh, this is, this is music that, that speaks the language that I've been brought up in. This is the language that plays the soundtrack of my life. So no, that, that, that's a very interesting uh, point. And yeah, I, there was music constantly playing in my house, uh, in, in the chores, in, in like uh, just in the background. Uh, a lot of uh, Israeli folk music, um, uh, Jody Mitchell, um, music from, from, I guess, the 60s, Beatles. Um, and yeah, that, that music had, had its uh, first date when it was the, the voice of the revolution, the voice of, of Woodstock, the voice of kind of like, of bringing about social change. And then <laughs> it kind of makes its way, cuddles its way into the household where in the, in the domestic sphere where it's just, it's, it's, the, it's the, um, the nostalgia of that age, of that era. So yeah, I, I, that's, I think that's really interesting. And that so soundtrack- You grew up to Jewish folk revolutionary music or Israeli well, folk revolutionary music? That was like, a little, a little bit, a little bit. That that music, that that kind of folk music, music from uh, um, my grandfather was in uh, the paramilitary. In uh, he was part of the Yeshuv, uh, which is uh, um, 
kind of like in the 1920s before Palestine Israel was like a country it was under British mandate and so he he was he was living at that time and he uh, he 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 said like we can we can work it out I don't know if, if, if they were able to work it out but like they didn't want the British kind of lording over them and controlling everything and so he, he worked for a paramilitary that tried to to get rid of the British um, in control and then eventually uh, there was kind of like two main movements within the Israeli camp there was the Irgun which his was like very they were doing a lot of uh, um, attacks against the British very uh, like uh, um, aggressive and and the other group was the Haganah which was uh, very uh, um, diplomatic trying to work with the British and negotiate so he was he was a, a freedom fighter like in that kind of revolutionary mindset so I, yeah definitely kind of that that music music of uh, the Palmach those kind of like uh, uh, um, there was also kind of within that era, like uh, a lot of, uh, kind of not, it was like Israel was kind of at a time uh, in like a communist era where a lot of work, work music, uh, uh, we're gonna grow the land, that kind of, those kinds of songs. So that, but I, not to say that the music that I was playing in my house was uh, solely that music. It was no, also- this is still fascinating. Like don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. Like it's just super nifty. I'm just like, yo, this is like good history. <laughs> You're making but also, it super digestible. Like, at at that time, there was also the revolutionary music in America and Vietnam and yeah. all like all, all that music. So I, I think just the the '50s, '60s, just the the zeitgeist of the world was very. Let's bring about social change and let's. So it's so fascinating that first point that you meant, like that. I have a feeling like it's it's club music, but that's that's the role that that music and that kind of speaks about um, the the kind of the tone of society at that time was like let's 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 celebrate, let's like let's let's uh, relish in the world that we've created. Versus in the '60s, there was a lot of unrest and a lot of um, a lot of. Uh, people driving social change so yeah anyways <laughs> no it's amazing so that's where you're like the, the beginning but so your parents um so you grew up in a jewish household i'm gonna assume uh so yeah is that like do you believe that, that how, how tied into that is be is the music like i know that every time i've gone to synagogue they sing like and everybody knows the words to the songs so like as a young one are you like taught to sing like right off the jump <laughs> definitely like um prayer is song and like song i mean i associate music and song with kind of speaking the voice of your soul and really letting out like your raw feelings and you can't express it in words so you just express it in song um, so that's the voice of prayer and that, that, that relationship to music is crystallized in, in the synagogue space. But I mean, I like, I'm, I've, I've always just been drawn to music. My, my aunt, she's a, a cantor. Um, and I, I remember Can when I was. Can you explain what a cantor is? Yeah. Uh, it's, there's in, in the synagogue, there's two main clergy members there's the rabbi who kind of who preaches uh about 
uh, like ideas from from the core texts from the biblical text and tries to like make them relevant in today and it's it's kind of like uh, they, uh, an inspirational talk that that that's their not their main role but one of the the features of a rabbi also uh, an individual who has a lot of knowledge to kind of like when people have questions about Jewish legal code and stuff. There's multiple roles, but kind of, it's like a figure who, who uses the text and and, use, and translates the text into kind of inspiration for people and and wisdom. And then the cantor is an individual who, who it's, it's just the music and it's someone who's trained usually operatically or classically. And, and like when you go into classical cantorial, um, the history back into the like, 1700s 1800s it's 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 a mixture of uh kind of polish uh yiddish uh kind of that that style a lot at least in the in the um eastern european core of judaism um but it it it's also there's a lot of like like just pure singing the words with tears in your eyes and and just crying in front of god as you sing um so uh that, that my my aunt she she's a cantor and uh I, I remember uh i i would just always whatever was on the radio like constantly just singing singing out and and it kind of got me into a little bit of trouble so i would um i would i would sing in the halls i'd sing on the streets and and one one time like i was i was kind of just like bursting into song uh uh, in the halls, and and one of the teachers said, Shh, there, "There's there's tests going on at this time. Like you can't be uh, you can't be singing so loudly." And so I was kind of a little distraught, and I, I went home and I called up my aunt, and and I told her, "What do you do when you have a melody in your heart and you just it has to come out? How do you how do you how do you express it?" And in her in her aunt wisdom, she she told me. You hum, <laughs> so um, I kind of going going back into my my childhood. I, I always I've always been just there's been melody that that's been fill, like, that fills my heart, and I'm I've always just been drawn to to song and music and melody and uh, using we're not that even as done being young. Trust we're gonna get to all the drawn twos and we're gonna go in more because yo. That's what we're doing here. This is like your Wikipedia yeah. page. This is like the early yeah. life section. So are you also <laughs> involved in like dance of, is that like another part of the, just the culture too? Cause I, I had like, this is just me asking. Cause I didn't have that kind of Jewish upbringing. Like my mom converted to Christianity before I'm born, but I'm technically Jewish, which is a whole different experience than growing up in the community and understanding all the nuances of it. Like I go to Jewish uh, events for holidays and I sit there and I feel like a weirdo just listening to Hebrew and I'm like fair this is this is a thing and I missed I missed it all and so is dancing a big part of it like being young and that yeah um there are there are like several holidays where um the point of the holiday there's like we just this past week there was a, a major holiday which is uh the commemoration of of when God gave uh, the Torah down from heaven to the people. Um, and that's like one, and in that holiday, uh, the point of it is to just to study. 
and to like to to read the text and it's there, there's like not much song and like you you study from like all night and that's kind of how how you engage with it it's very like intellectually stimulating and then there's another holiday uh at kind of at the other extreme of the year that also commemorates like when god uh gave the gave the people uh the torah and in that in that holiday there's zero study it's like you're supposed to get drunk and dance with the torah and it's like full activity and so like what i i enjoy is that there's like lots of modalities of interacting in Judaism that that allows for space for for the creative pursuits that allows space for the intellectual way of interacting with it um so from kind of like from the, the Jewish perspective there's there's dance involved but how about the revere perspective were you a dancer yeah yeah i mean like i i i'd uh i'd i'd, I'd uh i played uh uh, basketball uh, at, at Concordia and like uh, every like you know on the weekend or whatever there would be like uh, opportunities to dance and like I would just go with my team and have like the best time and they they were always you know on the side like trying to look cool or whatever and I, I was just I was just in my own world dancing and having a good time and I, I remember that also going back to like bar mitzvahs my father's a rabbi so i'd <laughs> i'd be like the four-year-old on the dance floor the whole time at the bar mitzvah okay having have like not not a care in the world not trying to perform for anyone or anything just like i mean so, that's how many so how there. many bar mitzvahs did you go to <clears throat> you can quantify them because every bar mitzvah comes with like uh like the kid has like a kippah mm. uh, like a skull cap like this yeah um so you can quantify them and how many how many skull cups skull caps i have at my at my uh, parents home just like boxes and boxes <laughs> so like so, really your whole childhood is one long party like there's a lot of it was, it was i have a feeling that was yeah and i mean so music, i don't mean I really, to like diminish it but like you got to go to tons of bar mitzvahs which is just yeah. i've been to a few it's basically singing and dancing for hours totally totally yeah and i mean the like when you're when you're a kid and there's just there's loud music and everyone's just having a good time it, it, it leaves an impression on you where like i just associated music and dancing with bliss and like kind of where like i couldn't control the melody that was inside me just the rhythm of music i was always like you can catch me in montreal dancing through the streets and singing because just like it's it's uh it's entwined with my spirit I love yeah that's uh, super cool so you basically what where, where do you go after you leave i think you said i forgot sweet sweden or switzerland i think it was one of those two you said you were born in yeah and i get yeah sweden um after after Sweden, um, my father uh, had a synagogue in Toronto. It was a, a synagogue for like all of the members that that established the synagogue were Holocaust survivors, um, and that was kind of like a very important thing for for my father. His mother was a Holocaust survivor, and um, she was liberated in Sweden. So. Uh, like Sweden had a very important role in her life and her father also there was this uh, Swedish diplomat that like 
she she kind of went through the the concentration camps and everything but her father got was able to escape before that um through a, a swedish diplomat who saved him so like sweden in in my grandmother's eyes was like paradise of the, the, this people who just who cared for for the weak and like brought in refugees from this from from the holocaust um and she was rehabilitated there and my father uh, she she go to israel she met my grandfather and then they'd come back to sweden my father was born in sweden then they went like then my grandfather became a rabbi in texas then my father like so he went back to sweden and it was this like ideological um my grandfather when he was a rabbi in sweden he was uh he was re like uh reconstituting the holocaust survivor community and like uh building up that community and so then when he went he went to to texas then when my father went back he he felt like i need to come back to the holocaust survivor community i need to i need to um build up sweden for, for from this ideological perspective so then when he went to toronto he went to like a synagogue that was built by uh holocaust survivors and that was i mean my mother also she works uh, at an elder care facility in Montreal um in Outremont that's uh that's like also was made for Hasidic Holocaust survivors <laughs> so i mean that's that's kind of like one of the one of the through lines of like kind of what drew my father also i guess the like economic situation of of Sweden is like social democracy in canada also has those vibes of social democracy so uh they didn't want to be in america <laughs> i can empathize with that um so it's it's like as a rabbi you get to travel to a lot of different places a lot easier like i don't understand how you just can up and go and now you just go to another country yeah i mean it's it's kind of wild he like he didn't speak swedish he uh he had like he was eventually at, by the end of it he was there for five years he was giving sermons and like in swedish and he was you know uh doing pastoral counseling for for people in the community all in swedish but like he had to learn that on the fly um so as far as the like logistics of it i can't even imagine that's that's wild but um but yeah i mean that's kind of like one of the cool advantages that like i'm excited about eventually becoming a rabbi is that um there's 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 Jew, Jewish communities all over the world and like you can by by being a rabbi of the community you can kind of be welcomed into that world so yeah my father was looking at jobs in Japan in you know like all over the world just cuz like the the Jewish texts are the same and we speak the same we sing the same tunes and we speak the same uh language but again the music kind of like keeps us all intact the the tunes and the melodies and that history um it's all it's all connected like just through that culture yeah so you're saying that Judaism is able to effectively remain internationally cohesive i've heard rabbis go as far as to say for every time zone on earth a candles get lit in at the same time or whatever just stuff like that like you know just like the sequence like i've heard that kind of like boldness like you can go to any country and there's going to be a jewish community so you're mm. saying that the cornerstone of this is honestly just that everybody has the same songs well or a huge part of it like songs and culture it's so it's such a incredible experience um 
to to go to like a, a foreign country uh when i'd like travel with the basketball team i would i just like i'd have to figure out because sometimes they would try i like on the sabbath once a week i don't do any work i don't i can't use electricity there's a, like a lot of logistic uh challenges with that um every single friday night to saturday night um and so my team when i play basketball we'd go to to other countries we'd go to other other cities and any city that I'd go to, I'd call up a rabbi in the city and say, it's like Wednesday night, I'm coming to your city um, fri Friday morning. Um, <laughs> do you have a place for me to stay? Um, and he said, don't worry, there's someone in this community, this, this, this you need you need food, do you, like completely like, yeah, that, that, that experience of, and when, when I go to their, when I go to their synagogue or when I, when I meet them, the tunes are the same, the, you know, like it's, it, it's that there, there's this feeling of of um, kind of like I think uh, in, in Quebec there's like that whole the, you know protecting French. Um, I, I I feel I feel like kind of like that dream of like being able to go to any country in the world and people are speaking French and sharing and reading uh, Simon de Saint Exupéry, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Um, that that experience of shared culture is something that's that's very interesting about Judaism because we're not like a majority in the world. We're not and, and by by no stretch of the imagination is there like any kind of uh, um, deep importance of of that culture outside of the Jewish community. You know, like it, it, uh, um, Catholic history, I think. Um, affects the Jewish Jewish history but like how much does does uh, Maimonides this rabbi uh, you know in uh, in in Spain in in the 12th century 12th 13th century how, what what impact did he have on on like Christian world or anything right. but like that shared history for me it's like wow the shared history in the past the shared history geo geographically this kind of also ability to like bring in the inclusivity to, to people with from other cultures like um, where there's this like syncret syncretized insertions of of uh, of Middle Eastern culture and of of Asian culture and just because like now kind of in, in the conversation a lot in Jewish circles is um, uh, not uh, like bringing making sure that people don't come with assumptions of that like Jews of color uh, don't have like Jewish backgrounds or anything like that. And, and it's like, th that's such a beautiful uh, um, ability to like, there's shared culture and there's distinctive culture. And to be able to embrace both of those together, I think is, is a really cool thing. Um, but we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about Judaism and stuff. I don't know if you want to get into more music. Those types of Honestly, things. it was just because it's your childhood. And it's sure. basically yeah. all tied into music in you. All of this shared cultural history of Jewish music yeah. is... You made a Jewish album that we were just listening to. Yeah, uh, yeah. To me, I'm seeing them as one and the same in your journey with regards to like at least this phase of your life. This is what your dad was up to. You were involved in a bunch of bar mitzvahs that involved the shared culture. You did all of this different stuff, and it's like all what ended up kind of building it through. So usually... Because of what we do, we just kind of go through your life, and then the music parts when you're doing end of the weeks. Well, that's that's later on in life, 
we're not there right <clears throat> but yeah. we get there and then we're just talking about that because that's what you're up to or whatever so like when when do you like are you like interested at that age then of like writing or pursuing music or reading like when you're young or is this something that came like later on in life i mean yeah like just the fabric of creativity is something that i draw back to from from those from those years i was like i i'd, I'd come up and like uh we'd have a guest over at our house and it'd be like let's let's tell a story together and then he'd like start dictating my my story of and it, like <laughs> that that story that i'm thinking of right now is like pretty much just power rangers but then like me telling him <laughs> power rangers but like like that that feeling of creativity and writing and and like going back into my albums i just have like hundreds of stories about um a superhero who like uses his his sits his uh um his uh, uh it's kind of like a a garment that that orthodox jews wear um as like his cape and you know <laughs> like uh just my way of of making sense of the world was through storytelling through writing those those stories and then like that that would evolve and emerge into uh, uh, songwriting i was like really enamored so, by so like how long did you stay in toronto for like were you i was in toronto for about three three years three four years three years oh. I, I came to montreal I, three years i came to montreal when i was like six and a half and were you in montreal for a while at that point yeah yeah that that's where most most of my upbringing was yeah yeah, the rest of my life, pretty much. Um, All right, so let's say you're like, let's say, you're, you know, t 10, 12-ish in Montreal. Uh, what part of Montreal did you settle in? Um, my father's synagogue is um, town of Mount Royal, um, just like kind of like a block away from Jean Talon and Lucerne. It's on Lucerne. Um, so, so, yeah, uptown. Respect. So you're up there. When did you first start to develop an appreciation for your own musical taste, which is a bit different than the culture and the stuff that surrounds you? Like, do you remember some of your first early like favorite songs that got you excited about music in a different kind of way? Mm. So, in my pursuit of creativity, um, I, I, I loved coming up with melodies and, and like in my synagogue. Uh, they'd have this this song at the end, which always had the same tune, but like they'd have the the children lead it, and so I every time I'd come up and I'd make up a new tune to it, and it started becoming like this, this funny thing because people were like, oh wow, that's a really cool tune. Who taught it to you? And I just like, ah, it came came from me spontaneously. Um, so so develop I, I developed a um, kind of through the pursuit of of melody and tunes early on I, I was like i need to express creativity in whatever way and i love music too um i was i was very i thought okay the pinnacle of creativity is weird al yankovic <laughs> and and like parody art is genius because like you're you're able to sing amazingly and like take a whole other story that like uses elements of this song and like 
kind of and also you don't have to be tied to genre you can go it, one song in rock one song you can all, all of a sudden be in kind of like singing uh, a song from a musical and like there's there's no limits to it and like yeah i i i really i like uh all all sorts of genres kind of yeah uh no, but you said Weird Al Yankovic is your like first go-to, and that's that's like incredible to me. First of all, underrated artist Weird Al Yankovic is in fact a genius. Uh, I got into him in high school. Uh, the polka shit blew my mind. That was like to me, in high school though the I don't remember what they're called, but like one of the particular polka things had like Last Resort by Papa Roach on it, and it just hearing Papa Roach repurposed with polka music was just like. How did he do that? How did he write yeah. a medley like that? Like, yeah. What? So I kind of yeah. actually get where you're coming from. It's just you're the first person I've talked to that brought him up first and then went straight to parody. Like, music's good, parody's better. <laughs> Damn, that's a strong start to like get to so young. I mean, yeah, it's like the, the music that, that my mother would play would, always had an impression on me and my. my my uh, second oldest sister, she was um, into punk, and she she was my idol of like what's cool and any style that she would wear, any everything that she would do, I would I always wanted to emulate, and so she would burn CDs and like Ramones and punk punk stuff and just like all of that, that world also to me was was emblematic of like what is great music whatever whatever came from from her itunes from her napster accounts <laughs> kaza <laughs> that's crazy so so what i'm hearing is by the time you're like 12 let's say you're yeah. you've already got performing experience right this is why we did the whole jewish thing to get to this moment where we can establish that by 12 you're already performing heavy in an environment that has a lot of performing elements in it right a lot of opportunity to see parties in action which is live events because you do throw events today right so yeah, yeah that bar mitzvah shit ties into probably your love and ability to get events popping um totally. and then you're already maybe not songwriting per se but practicing elements of freestyling even off the dome with your melodies yeah. that you're dropping and i I recently had a little chit chat with somebody that said Revere would go toe to toe anybody in a freestyle contest, and I put up my guy against Revere. But you were brought up as one of two people to go at it like that. So I mean, see so you practicing yeah. that at like a young age in the synagogues, giving that opportunity to do it, and yeah. people kind of getting excited for it before yeah. you even started doing anything. That's huge. That's why we do all this shit. No, so I mean, creativity is was so important so like like so when i would listen to weird al yankovic it was like i need i need to make parodies now i like when when i and i mean i i was constantly for for my assignments in class my teachers would uh would have like okay um you can do a creative component and then I, i'd like write a whole rock opera about the about the book that i made and i mean it was raw because like I mean, whatever whatever came from from my pen, like I would I would just like okay, this would is the you melody. Like perform this. this? I, I'd perform the whole rock opera with like the kids, kind of like 
what's going on? Like, I thought this was like a book report, <laughs> but like, so, I mean, I, I was constantly writing and, and making songs and, and like, for me, it was, it was always just, what is an art form that can allow kind of expression of, I mean, I was, I was enamored by multiple forms of creativity. There's melody, there's storytelling, there's rhyme schemes, there's um, puns and like wittiness and, and like, uh, and maybe I'm missing a few elements of, of songs in general, but like for me, finding, finding like ways to combine all of those creativities and like finding a space for it to, to be unleashed where I could just let my mind roam in, in different directions was a necessity it was it was a life force for me so that i, I was like okay parody is the ultimate form of of creativity that's what i'm doing where I, I remember i was very into um uh uh co like uh comics uh just you know uh what are they called uh, uh anyway just one one image and there's right, a right. pun in um, right, right. You see them, those types of things. I love them because I was able to draw and use that form of creativity along with on, how, coming. You've up also been drawing this whole time. You're able to draw. Yeah, and like, but like, just all in the name of ex creativity, art expression, and allowing allowing myself to just express through through puns, through jokes, through music, through melody, all of those things. And eventually, as the, what made the most sense is the ultimate form of creativity was when I turned on Eminem and I was, this is, he, he packs in so many words and he has space for him to just come up with amazing uh, melodies. And then the beats are this own form of creativity of sampling and, of, uh, and genre bending where parodies you're able to genre bend and, um, and you can be in different art forms. Hip hop and rap had that same element to it where, oh, this is a Latin beat. This is, you know, whatever, whatever the, the style is, you can have those clashes and it's not even a clash. It's, it's just its own uh, form of expression. So, so that, that kind of like eventually I was trying to one up what's, what's a more creative uh, uh, form of expression. And eventually I'd, I'd be drawn to, to hip hop. So when did you discover Eminem and go on this like process of going beyond Weird Al Yankovic and parody to oh shit hip hop's better, not to say that. <laughs> yeah, around I was around thirteen, thirteen, fourteen, and that 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 like so as soon as I as I started listening to to hip hop, how did, as you, soon as how did you encounter Eminem? I mean, if you're at that age, I guess it's high school. Yeah, yeah. I mean. He's he's also on the radio. He's also right, um, right. He was huge back then. Yeah, yeah. And, and to, to to encounter something that was so charged with creativity, so 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 emotional. Also, like like being able to to pack so much in in such like a contained space felt that totally enamored me. I was I was infatuated by the potential of it. And as soon as I was listening, I was writing. As soon as, like, for me, it was all—it was never enough of of consuming 
really great lines and creative like it was always I found a space that I can then channel for my own creativity fair enough what high school did you go to uh, Hebrew Academy oh, in I know Hebrew Academy so I went, to, <laughs> I went to Wager and Wager and Hebrew Academy shared uh, resources at one point I'm not, uh-huh. no it was Bialik this year anyway I just know Hebrew Academy so I was in Kosamuk I know all these schools, but um, that's fresh. Uh, so was hip-hop big in your school? Like, were a lot of people fucking with it? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's also that's also just kind of like... Uh, that answer is not uh, uniformly yes. It is so random when I ask that. Really? Yeah, depending on your school. Some schools loved hip-hop. Some schools just didn't fuck with hip-hop. It's just black and white like that. that up until, like really the youtube takeover and not the early part like nowadays times when it's like trending until then yeah some it just it required people at the school to like it in order for people to like it kind of thing yeah i, I mean in my world it was that 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 was also synonymous with cool so it, it kind of goes both ways where i was looking towards my sister and whatever music came from her was cool and i wanted to do it but it, it was this perfect pairing where it was both cool and it was this incredible form of creativity that not only was it in the words and in in the storytelling and all of those like amazing elements but hip-hop had its own culture and and dance and music like it, it was so layered that I could just dive into it and endlessly immerse myself and bask in, bask in other people's um, creativity, how other people are lauded for their creativity in a way that inspired me uh, to be, oh my gosh, this is, this is a world that I, I want to be a part of because I value creativity and hopefully other people can value my appreciation for it. That's a really good answer. So basically, my next question is, so you're in Hebrew Academy. You're already practicing your game. Are you, like, freestyling? Are you songwriting? And are you, like, doing this in public, or is this just, like, a private thing? Um, well, the public aspect of it, I mean, I guess, like, yeah, it makes more sense with, with that. But I was, I was always performing. Um, We'd have uh, at the Sabbath meal. We'd have guests over every week, and I was I was always whatever song I was writing or whatever story I was writing. My father would always be, "Dear, dear, go go up, uh, sing your new song." Like, and I'd, I'd always I'd, I was always performing um, in 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 the house environment in in the synagogue. I was performing. For me, that was that went hand in hand, and then. Uh, as I would work on new new ideas, new projects, I would incorporate those into my performances. So I, I remember there was like a, a choir that came to my father's shul, and then I, I just I just written like one of my first rap songs, and like my father, Dvir will perform perform his new his new song, and that was such an in, intense uh, feeling of. Oh wow, hit like I could I could I could do this with hip hop in this way that like that reaches people and I mean music in general reaches people but, yeah, but that's there's big, something though. about 
the rhythmic aspect of hip hop where there's an impressive factor. You can still perform when it's just melodic, but like it really needs instrumentals and stuff a lot of the time. But with hip hop, because the words hit its own rhythm, um, I was able to make, to do that performance um, and like people could could hear the rhythm of it because uh, there weren't those awkward pauses of when you sing a song and you're like waiting for like five seconds to hit the next <laughs> the next bar. Yeah. You know why that's also big, eh? That's a great point you made. I'm sure other people would debate it. I'm not going to get into songwriting rules like that. But <laughs> when I met you, you were like, I want to use my music to educate and to like push my message. Every one of your songs mm -hmm. is doing just that. But really, think back to what you just said now. You're in this environment, you're in the synagogue, you have this choir, and you've just written a rap song, and you realize you can bring rap to your community right there yeah. because it gives you that opportunity, yeah. which effectively is what you are. To, it's like the birth of the like the Revere hip hop version of you today kind of ties into like that moment almost. Origin story. Da, da, da. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Yeah. How old were you when that happened? Like 13, 14 ish? Yeah, just just around that age, and um, it was, yeah, it was very interesting. Also, because um, I mean, my my like first first raps were were listening to hip hop, listening, listening, and then I'd I'd like come up with like fifty rhymes to one word and just rhyme 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 rhyme, rhyme down the page, and like it was very. I'm, I didn't have a sense of bar structure or anything like that. Um, it was just wow, how many multi-syllabic rhymes can I string together um, nonsensically? Um, and and that that song that I that I performed was a moment where I toned down on the complexity of it, and I just told like. A, a biblical story. And th that choir was, uh, um, I don't know if you know Reverend Gray. He's, uh, um, he's, he's like very uh, important in the Montreal black community, basketball community. And so like it was, it was with his choir. Um, I, I, that the, so the song that I had made was uh, about kind of it, the, the chorus of it brought uh, kind of a, an old choir, black choir um, song, uh, like, oh, down Moses, let my people go. So, like, I, I was able to merge those worlds together with, with, uh, with that. And then also, um, it was just this moment where instead of trying to impress people with, with the rhymes or, or the wittiness, I was just telling a story. And that was such a, an amazing moment for me in being able to, to use music um, intentionally and with like a utilitarian end goal. And so, yeah, that, that, was, that was a great moment also um, where, where I felt, oh, there's, there's actually, there's a platform for it. Going back to what we were saying at the beginning, um, you have purpose for music. You have the club song where it's, it's about the vibe or you have the the hippie music where it's it's about a social cause and then uh yeah for me at, up until that point hip-hop was um an olympics it was uh, using verbal gymnastics in a way to stretch words and meaning in, in fun frivolity but 
that was a moment when I when I, I realized it wasn't it doesn't have to just be limited to that. And furthermore, I can I can use it not just I mean I, like a lot of hip hop I had dissonance with it because wow this is incredible um, incredible wordplay this is incredible ideas but the content uh, was was aggressive the content was was violent or portraying uh, a lifestyle that wasn't my own and I felt I do I do I emulate this the form and then shift it into kind of like my own world or do I do I like wh what do I do with this dissonance that had built up and so that for me um, that was also a moment where where I said I can I can um, allow allow other people to tell their life stories and uh, uh, and not feel like I need to appropriate another person's life in order to fit in into the hip-hop world but I can I can tell my own life story and and just really appreciate hip-hop culture um, uh, without feeling like I'm 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 stomping on someone else's territory or or, or adopting uh, another history that that isn't my own but va valuing it and also seeing shared elements of it where where does where does that deep emotional strife come from uh, and and there are so many elements of that um in 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 jewish history in in my grandmother's holocaust story and some of my songs telling my grandmother's holocaust story is feels like hip-hop it's 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 not the it's it's not it's I, 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 I never chopped, I never, you know, that wasn't part of my story, but, but being part of uh, like an oppressed people and, and kind of um, being, being subjugated for your identity without any consent towards, towards uh, allowing someone else to, to demonize, belittle and uh, and dehumanize that experience is is a shared experience and and that that anger that 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 uh disappointment in society all of those emotions uh define hip-hop that pain that the, the scar tissue of that is on is on the needle of of every vinyl yeah that was big that was a good answer i like that a lot I like the fact that, like, how old were you when you decided I don't want to appropriate a culture and I need to not do that? Um, I mean, it was it, it was a continuous struggle, especially like we're not there yet in in the story. But like, as I would go into into the rap battle culture, it started being you you need to get daps for the status quo for kind of like fitting within the norms, or at least that's, that was the impression. And that, that made things even more challenging. Because... Right, let's definitely get to that. That sounds like yeah. fair enough. So, but, but already, I just want to say like, you're a very impressive person. Um, in terms of just like the youth side of it, the young, the young part below youth. Cause like, I listen, talk to a lot of people like myself too. Like it wasn't that impressive until maybe high school and it starts to pick up and then 
just really start to pick up to like later on and your shit's like yeah by the time i'm 13 i'm already you know dropping rap songs at the synagogue discovering my brand and an identity my ability to leverage music for you to like you're 13. I mean, I know, I know you become a man, but like that's taking it to a big <laughs> level in like fucking this era. <laughs> um, but like, I I mean that sincerely, like because it is a really like impressive backstory to you, in terms of why you are listening to the versatility in the tracks on your project, and it is really well made. It has a lot of pristine in it, a lot of like NF level of detail. I don't know how else to put it. That that level of combing over every four bars and making sure it's all like nice and versatile and doing what you want to do with it but a lot of people don't go that route for a lot of different reasons but i guess if you're like just practicing melodies and flows off forever like it's not the same struggle that other people may have regardless because speed is is a very interesting thing the longer you do this shit the faster you get at being able to do more complex things. That is the big facts of it. Being in music right. over time just means you're faster. It, right. Better right. or worse is all subjective, but whatever you do, you get faster at doing it. So it's, it's right. super nifty to see like how you're able to create multiple, and you said it's just as a spoiler, a 48 or something like ridiculous track project split into multiple parts. You know, like we're not talking about like a small thing. So we were just looking at the first part of it. And so right. it's like, how do you get to that point? And then you're doing right. it for your community. Then you're doing it for all this other shit. So we're going to get to there, of course. But so we tie that into here, but it's just built into you from the beginning. So you're in Hebrew Academy. Uh, are there a lot of like variety shows and things like that that happen? Yeah, I mean, yeah. In, in school, we had variety shows. Color War is this, uh, do you know Color War? Uh, uh, it's kind of like in camps, maybe. they have Color War a lot, where they split the camp up into um, two big teams and just all sorts of competitions. And it, it's, it's really, in, in, they did this every year in my high school. It was such a cool thing because uh, a, a le- it completely is an equalizer of all levels. 11th grade... 11th graders are like working with seventh graders on music and on skits and jokes and developing a lot of like internal uh, uh, internal jokes and that that school culture um, really developed through color war and so in color war and variety shows and, and those types of things and also I started a uh, um, there there were these these performers in, in my in my school that they would, would go out and I like I tried to work with them a little bit. I was always looking for for music partners and finding people who appreciate it as much as me or who have other talents that like we could collaborate. And so, yeah, in in high school, I was I was sending out flares left and right, um, like kind of like SOS, but not SOS. Like here I am, listen to me. And I I just and all of those flares were just trying to like exude my own internal flair and and uh use that as as uh, um as fuel to, to to kind of uh motivate me to keep making music but also um just that collaborative aspect that's something that's so that i love about music also 
I just love it so much in so many different ways. But the, um, with music, you, when you when you're able to collaborate with someone, you're able to to meet them, like meet their their soul and meet their spirit in a way that you really get to know someone on a much closer level. Mm. And that that social dynamic of of sharing in creativity, listening to a beat and hearing completely different things and then like having two different verses where you're like oh that's what you heard in that verse that's the that's the beat that you were accentuating that's the the contour that really spiked your interest and hearing that in someone else um uh i i love that and i was constantly looking for 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 people to to make music with and and uh um yeah it became also this avenue um with between playing basketball and with music, I just meet a whole host of people where, oh, oh, we connect through Judaism or we connect through basketball, or we connect. And all of these connection points with people really helped, uh, helped build me up socially. And mm. really, I, I felt I, like in Montreal, I feel so at home because I'm part of all of these different communities. So would and you I just, go to like all of those? Because uh, I, I went to Wigger right before it closed, yeah. and it had the basketball team, and they would play Hebrew Academy. I remember that. Um, yeah. And uh, I would see like they would all like, go away on these weekends and things like that. Would you participate in all of these high school bagel weekend tournaments and things like of this variety? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I played. I played for high school. I played for Hebrew Academy, but I also played inner city uh, Dawson community. So I'm not with, sure what that Dawson, is. What is the inner city uh, Dawson community? Um, there's there's kind of like a not there's the school league and you play between the schools and then there's it's a, a little bit of a better league where um, uh, Park Extensions plays against Dawson and uh, kind of the different regions of Montreal and going out into Hall Quebec. Um, west island sun youth those are kind of like some of the main teams um so like in that world i would i would i'd meet a lot of people from wager and um yeah definitely go go to go to aau tournaments in the summers and stuff it was a blast and and then in all of those environments <laughs> it was it was uh uh, a stripe on my on my suit that like oh oh you freestyle oh you rap oh oh let's let's rap battle on the bus you know that became uh, a bit of social cachet to to work on that and also in those tournaments because of the Sabbath because I have to walk long distances I can't on the Sabbath I can't use um, I can't drive a car or anything so so I'd walk and I'd walk twelve hours. 18 hours, 16, you know, whatever, like just long, long walks. Um, how did I entertain myself? Freestyle, sing, rap, you know, like, so, so I, that was also definitely a, a way that I developed, developed my, my inner rhythm. All those things were, uh, were it was, it, it was entertaining. It was, it was so much fun. And then like going to the game, I'd be like, oh, Jordan Aquino he's a keynote speaker, you know, I'm thinking about like stuff that I can like slip into the rap battles with my, with my teammates or, you know, that, that became because of the, the social cachet that it came with. I, I would like have subjects that would go through my mind or, or, uh, 
in, in rap battles, there's this uh, like idea of categories. Um, uh, it's, 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 sorry, it's called schemes, yeah. where you have different categories uh, that, that you work through and you try and like, you rhyme it all the way through, but you, you go through 12 different laundry detergents while you're rhyming about how, how this person doesn't wash his clothes, you know, whatever, right? And, and then they're, they're like, wait, slow it down. I just dissed you. And then they'll go through like 12 different, like I, I said, you wake up at dawn and then, <laughs> what do you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So yeah, it, on those journeys, I'd, I'd like, I just start breaking down, oh, what's a scheme that I could come up with? What's, what's a, a clever line? And yeah, I'd, 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 in those, basketball helped definitely um, helped mold my music also. So you were uh, battling on the bus the whole way through this too. That, that's actually, uh, you know, Makeway Studios. So when I was on the bus going to school, I mean, I was, I was freestyling, I was rapping. I was, I was, I was, it, was, it just started becoming this habit of, of just as like when I was young, I would be singing melodies and I, I, I still, I jump between singing melodies and dancing and working on my, my you know, tectonic and then, then going into beatboxing and then going into the, to freestyle. Like I just jump around between these different uh, mediums. So I was, I was freestyling on the bus and then all of a sudden, uh, Brandon, uh, Anu Buds just comes up right next to me and starts like, <laughs> starts going back and forth. And we start splitting like two bars, two bars, two bars. And, <laughs> and uh, I, I was like, oh, wow, this is so cool. Afterwards, like, oh, you're, you're, you're really talented. Uh, come, come by my, like my studio in, in like in, in my basement. Um, and this was like back when he was, I mean, I was, I was probably like four 15 at that time. So he's like, I think he's like a year or two older than me. So he's probably like 17 and that I, I didn't like, at the time, I didn't like uh, take him on his invitation. There was a, there was another studio that I, that I would go to. Okay. What uh, other studio would you go to? Were you make, okay. So I forgot to ask, were you like releasing music this whole time? Uh, well, so we could talk, yeah, I'll just finish the story and then I'll, I'll answer that. Um, so, so I, I like, I didn't, I, but I, I kept him kind of like on, on my, my purview and thinking about, Oh, and it wasn't, and and then eventually, like, I'd come back to him, and it's it's so cool because um, he's like this amazing uh, producer now for the city of Montreal, um, and I, like I have an affinity for an individual who's part of the Jewish community, and so it, like it, it feels really cool that um, we we shared this moment together, both in very early stages of our careers, and saw the potential in 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 the musicality of the other and in, in the appreciation of freestyle and and later on in life um our, our paths would cross and actually well we could save that for later but anyway I, i'll i'll go i'll go back to your your question about uh what was your question well you said there's another studio which reminded me i didn't oh, ask yeah, if yeah. during this process have you been uh recording and releasing music yeah so so i i started making like in in high school I was like, oh, you make you have rap crews and stuff, and so I I, I started making songs about um, uh, and like the fantasy of like how how we would take it would kind of built, and I, I was always thinking branding or or where opportunities to perform, 
And so I, I started like building out um, a concert idea for um, Israel Independence Day, uh, which is like a rally that I think like 10,000 Jews in Montreal go to each year. And I was like, that's, that's, I'm going to make a lot of songs about Israel, particular about Israel, so that I can perform at the Israel, like at the rally. And, and so I, I started making those songs. But like, I was constantly thinking of different projects. Did you different end up performing at the rally? So it, it fell through and like, it's, I mean, it's disappointing, but just the kind of that, like writing songs with an intention in mind, with, with a, uh, with a goal, like who are people that I can collaborate with in order to put it on. I was also, um, I was on the, the organizing committee <laughs> in the seventh grade for like, what do kids want to see at the rally? And I was like, people want like modern music. And they're like, oh, let's write that down. So then I, I remember like when I started making hip hop, like eighth, ninth grade, um, I was like, oh, that could be me who brings that element to, to the rally. Um, but no, but anyway, that, that didn't work out, but, um, but that, that was when I started like branding my music towards Jewish content. And my father, he has a, a radio show, um, uh, called, uh, like it's every, every week he would do, uh, like a, a, a brief sermon and it was, uh, it was called like wild Torah with a mild Masora, which means like, uh, crazy, like ideas about the Torah, but from, from a tradition that might be more mild. Anyway, uh, he had, he had this show. And so I came up with an idea of, of each week. There's, there's a story in the, in the Torah, uh, uh, that, that like, that's read at the synagogue and they break the Torah up into like 48 parts. And so on my father's show, um, I, I, I came up with this idea to, to like make one for each one. And my father was like, oh, wow, yeah, I'll get you on the show. And like, you can perform your song. So that, that was like a really cool moment when I really, I was able to release one of my, one of my first songs. I, I, I made the beat and it was, it was very rugged. It was just like simple chords. And I had been writing a lot of music, but not to any beats at that time. So that was like a really interesting moment. But so, so I, that, that was like a, a, a place where I, I performed, I, I was making uh, music with, with this, the high school group um, and with, with the high school group, the music that, that I was making was also primed towards like Jewish subjects where I would take um, a different idea of, of the, of, of like kind of just an esoteric rabbinic text and then illuminate it into modern ideas. And, but like very, very simplified, not nothing too like uh, advanced or complicated, but like my mind was geared in, in that direction. And then, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, epic rap battles of history. Yes. So when, when, when I started seeing epic rap battles of history, then I, I, I was like, oh my gosh, I got to do this with the Bible. And so I, I started making Bible rap battles and I did like between Moses and Pharaoh and I did between um, all like different characters. Um, and so that, that was like a series that I started developing where I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is like, this is so niche, but 
for everyone that I show within the Jewish niche, they're like, this is so cool. <laughs> so I that, mean, that I was, was just going, that was just so cool. at like a conceptual level. Like, I think what's brilliant <laughs> about your mind just in general is you see something you like and the first thing you want to do is emulate it and find a way to make it your own and improve upon right, it right. in a sense. Yeah. You're like epic rap battles, history is cool. But let's be real. Sometimes they would, they would pick some corny ones. Like it's not so much that like they were bad battles. It's just like, yeah, I don't care about either. I don't even know who these people are. And then it wouldn't be as yeah. like, fun to watch. So to solve that problem, Revere is like, fuck that. I control it all now. I make every episode less. <laughs> right. I mean, like I was in, in Jewish day school. We have 13 classes a week and seven of them are like variants of Jewish subjects. So those, those like, my mind is constantly making connections with things and it was the creative stuff needed uh, the, the, like the intellectual world needed this creative funnel. And so it was also just this opportunity, like those esoteric rabbinic texts were what I just learned that week. <laughs> I learned that rabbinic no, text. I was like, like, let me talk yeah, about that's it. like got to have a powerful statement for alternative education. If you think about it, right. Right. Instead of testing, make kids write songs. I, I, mean, I guarantee you yeah. kids will retain more information. I, I, I even even in, in CJEP, I was like my my final I had a like uh at, at Dawson when I, I had a final where the whole thing was uh like a, a fifteen minute, twelve minute freestyle about uh it was supposed to be like a, a tell like a, an argument and kind of a go go back and forth. And it was a, a thirteen minute freestyle of called what we can reap from rap where and that was just my final for that class was let me talk about the dissonance that i have between my relationship to hip-hop and and say wow hip-hop is the most creative art form but but it's it's so challenging for me because of uh the homophobia and the violence and like gang culture that i don't that that feels like it has negative uh, impacts in society, those type drug drug culture, um, and so like th those things were things that like I, I didn't feel connected to, and then I, I used I used I used my assignment, I used music, and I, and I just like wrote like that thirteen minute song, um, and like in 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 uh, in university I had I had a, like a, a philosophy class. Um, a political theory philosophy class and we had to like write a like a St. Thomas Aquinas disputation but instead of that I wrote my my own relationship with basketball and feeling like I've given my life to basketball and all of these years of working towards something that um isn't is doesn't isn't fruitful uh towards like an uh, uh, a usable skill set like all of the hours that I, I'm in the gym shooting, I'm not transferring that to my public speaking. I'm not transferring that to other things. And then the whole first half of that song, it's like a 20 minute song going in the form of a tomastic disputation <laughs> um, where, where like the whole beginning is like, this is useless. And there's like all of these, it's, it's just glorification, uh, uh, deification of these individuals who are freakish athletes to begin with and, and kind of like, in, a, in an embittered state. And then this, this flip of it is, no, there's all of this incredible civil um, 
societal uh, growth that happens in the grassroots and opportunities and to be bitter about the deification of these individuals. No, you're, you're providing individuals who didn't have opportunities a platform that they can use this social um, the social elevation in order to tell to 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 tell like great messages and then i like cite lebron james and all of his work in in the black lives matters movement and everything and so kind of like um anyways the, I, I got on a little bit of a tangent sorry but that's what this the is was, the whole thing is one big tangent a tangent nugget yeah but, it's great <laughs> you're crashing the, the idea of it is that yeah, I have school assignments. I have book reports that I have to do. It's yeah, going like, into your, your memory is pretty impeccable, right? So, like, maybe that's connected to stuff. But, like, I know for a fact that, like, school's kind of not good at testing and assignments. Like, they're boring as fuck. But, like, when you can right. find a way to make it litty. And, like, I don't know. Maybe it's not right a song. Imagine you had to draw a painting that you could then explain to your class that represented right. some subject or core theme that you had learned. Right, like Revere's inventing like ways that I bet you know these stories, a bunch of them to this day, just because you had to right. write it. But then also, like right now, if you look at the way things work, there is a lot of value in a frequency of release. It doesn't have to be like songs, but you have to be doing something frequently, whether yeah. it's the Insta, whether it's something, whatever, just to have like this level of activity. People can disagree with that all you want. But in general, for most people trying to achieve something, if you look at a social media marketing 101, you need a calendar of constant. And that's right. like, so before you even finished high school, you linked up with your dad, which you I mean, you live with him, whatever, you linked up with him. But like, he provides it as opportunity to, which is really big ups to your dad, right? Because a lot of parents yeah. could have been like, nah, fuck you, you're not doing this. You're not, right. you're not coming on my radio show with your fucking young people shit. Instead, he encouraged <laughs> you. And you right, yeah. But on the other hand, you, you did have a bless-ass concept to like reinforce what he's doing, right? It wasn't just random. Right. And then you right. still created this challenge. You made your own beats the whole way through or whatever. I don't know. Did you? Or were you like making beats yeah, the whole time? It was, it was like... And I'd like beatbox in the background. <laughs> but like, good though. <laughs> very very simple whatever but like using the midi keys of my keyboard in garage band so basic <laughs> but um no that was like a great learning experience because up until that point I'd, I'd be making these like these rap battles these bible rap battles without a beat in the background and like and for me that was a, a big learning curve of of uh, um, that I'd have the bar in my head, but to fit it to a beat, it, 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 it needs to complement. And yeah, in, in my music uh, development, it, it became, I, I don't know, it's something that, that I now, it's, I listen to the beat first and find, find the, the rhythm inside of it, find the flows and, and then come to the song. It's, it's the complete opposite where when I'd be making the, in, in my synagogue, the, the, that, that song that I would sing at the end, I'd be making up the melody that it would never, it would never be structured in, in bars that are like, that fit the song properly. It would just be, this is the melody that, that's in, that, that I hear and I'm, I'm, 
con I'm I'm using that melody and forming it to to uh, this performance that I'm having, and so that that structure that that pairing of um, freedom and looseness with structure was a very important um, development in in my music. So even though it was very rudimentary and it was just basic keys, that was like a first step in, mm. in developing that. I like what you said though about. Yeah. Um, I had a whole conversation today, even it comes up a lot about flow and delivery and pocket. Mm. Pocket is the current buzzword of the, the this conversation because we've hit that point. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like that part where you listen to the beat first. Like, I'm like, yo, I do that. That makes sense to right. me because like right. it's songwriting. It's not rapping, rapping, like rapping is right. a vocal tool that you can use in songwriting. And in order to songwrite effectively, you kind of need to know what's coming a little bit. Like you can freestyle right. a song, right. yeah, but that's not necessarily the same thing as like trying to create that like product that you're trying to use as a vehicle to convey the particular message yeah. as effectively as possible so yeah. i really like what you had to say about just um almost like meeting the beat like understanding the beat and then merging with it in the way like that makes the most sense for it which is also yeah. something that forced you to adapt and level up again we're not even done high school and you're already producing beats writing jokes playing basketball your songs are being aired on this radio. Um, you performed a whole <laughs> bunch. Uh, that's, that's quite a lot so far. We're not done high school. That's pretty fucking yeah. incredible, dude. Yeah. No, totally. And uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, like not to, like, but like very much in my own creative process, like today is is uh, just through reference reference tracks. And like I hear in, in Kanye, sometimes like he has unreleased demos. He's just he's just hitting those reference tracks where he's finding the melody, like the whole scoop diddy doop. That song was was originally just a reference track that it's he was really using. Great. It. It's legendary, um, but no, like he, I mean that 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 um, creative process really resonates with me right now, which um, it it it's it's very easy for me now to kind of find a catchy melody in a beat because I had all that training of just just thinking of catchy melodies from from like my childhood that was that was what what I what I liked and I was very eager to do that but then it wasn't grounded with beats so now like all that prior training has helped in this like second evolution i mean second evolution this is like 10 years ago but <laughs> i mean yeah if you're like 10 years into your career 10 years ago then it's fair enough to call it a second evolution i mean shit like <laughs> it is your story this is what happened to you right. yeah it, i mean we're an hour and right. like 20 in and yes we talked about judaism a lot but shit that was just the context to explain why like you're doing performances at choirs and radio shows so much and why the jewish matters and so like yo we're not done high school is what i'm saying that's pretty like you did a lot before <laughs> you were done then so i'm I'm, right. uh, I'm i'm impressed by that uh i don't know how much more happens during high school but like shit you're just so sequential with it so like i don't know what comes after the radio opportunities so you can you can go f at that point man yeah yeah so i guess I guess probably then like go going to the Dawson Dawson years, I was I was in such like an insulated world, um, and it was it was amazing. I, well, 
actually, no, no. So um, in high school, it, going kind of towards the end of high school, uh, like 10th, 10th grade, um, that's when, when I found uh, Battle Rap. And that's that that was like a very important. Um, How did you find battle rap? I would love to know that just given what I'm doing with the battle rappers. Right. Yeah. No, no. So um, I guess in, in, in the cultural milieu, like there's there's an under there's a knowledge of rap battles, that that concept. And I mean, that early in my in my rap like discovery, I, I, I started seeking out more. So I'd, I'd go into, you know, oh, okay. Now, now, like, now I've heard a lot of like rappers now, but everyone talks about Tupac or everyone talks about um, Biggie. Let me, let, me, let me dive into that. Let me, oh, early Eminem. Like, and so I'd, I'd keep expanding what are other avenues of, like what are other um, uh, subcultures within the hip hop world? Um, and I, I remember just, like going on being on youtube and typing in um oh rap battles is such a cool thing and, and you know like my 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 if you were to read my search menu it would probably be like greatest rap battle <laughs> you know like just kind of very exaggerated and um and the first ones that i would see were it was like really bad quality just like oh and like you couldn't really hear the bars like okay there's a lot of energy in this this is exciting and i i stumbled into like this youtube video of um well no no i i stumbled yeah it was that one but i stumbled probably the first one was i stumbled into this youtube video of the ultimate world rap championship league and the ultimate battle of thesaurus and Iron Solomon. And it was like, the, the video was like super, super hyped up kind of uh, in the description. I was like, oh my gosh, these are the best two individuals in the rap battle world. And and in, in that video. Yo, that's big nifty. Can I just pause for a second? Cause again, I'm talking to the people who kind of like threw this shit a little bit. So the fact that they wrote that hyped you up that much for that battle to watch it and like it was just yeah 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 I mean I I, I, I maybe even through eight mile kind of like mm. that that brought me into like an understanding of potentially but like I knew that like I didn't I hadn't looked up rap battles until then but I looked it up and that battle thesaurus just got wiped up like like destroyed. And so, so then from there, I was like, oh, wow, whoever beat, like, whoever wins this battle, I need to follow this guy. So then I, like, went into Iron Solomon, and he was just devouring, going through everyone. Every time he rapped, like, I think the next one that I saw was him versus Suit and Tie. Uh, and um, every line that he said was so genius. He had this line um, that, like, and it was it was like freestyle too because he he said um, in the previous round, uh, Suit and Tai talked about critical, uh, the the rapper critical, and then he said, oh, you talked about critical, um, but it ain't critical you you're dissing. So I think that it's critical you listen. I'm gonna put your whole career in critical condition. <laughs> like then he freestyled a whole thing about the guy just mentioned critical, 
And then he like used it in this like two different puns about the word critical and rhyming critical condition, a six syllable rhyme scheme in a freestyle. It was just like, that's just one example of how like amazing Iron Solomon was. But, um, but it, like, it was, it was very interesting to see Iron Solomon because he kind of was breaking the mold of what other people were doing. Other people were battling like six, seven, eight times a day. And he, he was choosing his battles and going like one battle, like selecting them and writing for them and in, incorporating freestyles in this way. And he really um, trailblazed um, what modern day rap battles kind of like maybe that was that was like 2005 six seven and like rap battles in 2009 eight, like eight was kind of a funny year nine ten eleven whatever was like when things were really ramping up and i this is for me probably like 2010 it was like just incredible but like so he like he he wasn't really uh freestyling another like amazing kind of revolutionary moment in in you know, kind of trailblazing in, in the rap battle world was um, he, uh, when he battled math, he started doing schemes and his schemes were crazy. He had a whole that's, scheme. Like the Matthew Matthew thing. I mean, that's, that's, that's just a joke. Little Matthew, little Matthew. Right, right, right. Cause like he, math would call other people. I think like he'd right, call them. Was that battle though? Little, little, little yeah. Yeah, that battle, that battle. So that battle was like another kind of really pivotal moment in hip hop, in, in in battle rap history, where like it was like probably one of the first times anyone had schemed, and he he had an incredible scheme of uh, uh, on uh, on like different courses in school, and he was like he was talking about uh, um, like the different courses the whole time. Like then then his like his bang his closer was now math is history and like that like is, is a crazy one and he had one where he was going through higher higher numbers higher mathematics and it was so interesting because that round they cut him off and like they were like oh this is getting this it was almost like it was over their heads of like this isn't how people rap battle and they cut him off in that round and they're like I always wanted to know like what was in, in in the rest of that rhyme scheme like he's going he's going from 10 to 1 and like using kind of higher mathematics using like going down into it, it, it was, that one was like that battle that battle was like really incredible so I, I jumped into the iron solomon and what was so incredible about him was he never lost the battle <laughs> he was always winning um but but then then i like jumped into thesaurus and Thesaurus just is incredible, um, unbelievable uh, freestyler. He he do ten syllable freestyles like with jokes that was like completely impromptu, just based off of you could see he'd riff because um, he he was with Ilmac. Right. Completely uh. riffing where where it was. Um, Oh, are we, good, we out good, again? You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Can you hear me? Yeah. And we got Thanks. your audio, so you don't even have to repeat it. Anyway, so yeah. Okay. Basically, Thesaurus, um, like 
just incredible, incredible in the fact that he he was he like he was able to freestyle at a ridiculous level, impromptu, and and that was like something that Iron Solomon didn't didn't necessarily have. The battle that he did with uh, against the Saurus was like it was unfair because. Aaron Solomon had written all of his rounds and kind of prepared. And Thesaurus was just like five, his fifth battle that day. Um, and his rhymes were really good, but like there was a, a level difference. Um, but anyway, so like... Yo, that's big fair that you acknowledge that, right? Getting like, into rap battle. And at, at that time, I'm just... I just wanted to just say, yo, because that was really big that you acknowledge that, right? Like some people might watch that yeah. battle and just uh, be like, nah, Iron Solomon marked in point finale. But you're almost like giving the props that, yo, in another frame of mind, maybe if it was battle one, maybe if, you know, it might have had a separate outcome or a more level playing field. Not to say that it would have changed history, but at least that like you're adding in the context of what happened here, why this was so impactful and why like writing almost right. became more important and more standardized. I mean, actually, that had a lot right. to do with TV, yeah. but anyway. No, yeah, and <laughs> well, yeah, as as freestyling, the the ceiling of freestyling doesn't get higher than Thesaurus. He's just he's like he's incredible, but that that moment of the ceiling of freestyle does not come close to the potential of someone writing schemes and thinking up and having like a perfectly timed jokes um in rhythm is just apples and oranges like it, it's just another level so then it, it makes sense that from iron things eventually evolve um and i was i had a great opportunity because all of this <laughs> you're good okay yeah all this content existed um for all this content existed for a few years prior. Um, and I like, I was coming at it like in 2008 as the evolution. So I just had, I had endless content, endless. And I was able to see that history unfold. So the one and thing I walked I can through with like it. So I was first in the world. Is that a hundred percent. It was TV networks interfering with battle rap that really uh, had a huge impact on writing than you would think because there was stuff like BET and, and all these different shows popping up and the producers of these shows would be like, yo, we don't want your freestyles. You guys better come in with your writings. Just get, you know, we're not, and so it almost like, so you're right, right, right. these things happen, right. but like just at the same time as people are trying to create like a higher quality product is there's a lower risk threshold with writings. Not to say that people didn't run with it, but it kind of added a quality value because of what you're saying. But it was also just to to reduce risk because what happens if you're not on that one time but now you're live on tv and this that the next thing you know yeah no it's i mean it's it's a whole added layer it, i mean i was i was totally sold because also like um it, everything that i've already said about um about hip-hop and everything that's so enamoring the internal ideas one the level of creativity that's uh, that's given credence and given kind of that's that's lauded in the in the battle rap world is just so much more the density of language and everything um is is so much higher 
the acceptance deeply internal rhyme schemes and deeply um, creative schemes uh, only exists in uh, in rap battle communities and as like kind of in that that uh, mindset where I was like oh there's parody then there's hip hop once I met ba rap battle I was like okay th this trumps everything that I know about hip hop because um, on top of all of that you're incorporating the art of theatrics. You're incorporating the art of live performance in a way that it's it's stand-up comedy where you have a full set and you cannot repeat that entire set that you spent years and like you spent so much hours and hours developing and perfecting. You cannot repeat that set. Yeah, that's a crazy way to put <laughs> so, it. So, I mean, that element. Yeah, that element of high standard performance, uh, everything is memorized and only for this one performance. It, it's just the like the creativity of all creativities. And so, yeah, I mean, I I totally fell in love. And so I, I, I started going to the Montreal scene. Once once I like, I, I went through 2004, I, I devoured it, 2004, 2005. Then I like things started moving into the grind time world. And going into the grand time world, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. This is they're taking it to another level. There's this evolution, and then grind time split into King of the Dot. I'm like, wait a second, this is my backyard. And King of the Dot had uh, had a Montreal um, uh, division, so they had the Quebec division with Low Pesci. So I started going to the events. <laughs> I remember one time I went to the event, like the event, because because I, I went once I went to the events. I, it's not just about enjoying the event. I need to perform. <laughs> I wanted to perform at the events. Like it wasn't just enough for me to to passively enjoy the art form. I needed. I, I always needed to be proactive in it. So I, I wanted to perform. But I was I was 15, <laughs> and so like the venues that these were at were in clubs. I remember though the month before I was set to perform because I was going for a few months. They carded me. And I was like, oh my god! <laughs> and so, like, I, I got turned away because I'm 15, and it's it's in a it's in a bar. It was in Koi Lounge, mm. and uh, but anyway, so so I I, I performed um, the first time that I, that my my battle uh, I was at, like the first time the guy the guy canceled, and then my second second time that like I signed up, I w went up against who right now is like one of the best battlers in Ottawa. Uh, his name is Teddy KGB. Um, but yeah, I, 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 that was such like an, like an uh, incredible moment for me of, of so like, you're like 15 bringing, bringing in club Koi battling this guy. Yeah. Teddy KGB who's, you know, <laughs> he's a, like, he's probably, he's, He's probably like late 20s, maybe early 30. I don't know. Like, and and he's he's pro one of the best. He's probably the best in Montreal at the time. I, I was like, ah, if I could battle anyone, I want to battle him. And then Lopeshi signed me up for the battle. <laughs> and it was funny. In in the message of the battle, he, he said, uh, you're battling, uh, you're battling Ted Adler. And then in for for him he said you're battling 
the guy who looks like Avatar, <laughs> who, uh, who like was frozen in the back of the battle uh, against uh, um, Ben. There's like one of the biggest battles of all time for like a few years was a two on two with Lopeshi Bender and Kid Twist and uh, uh, Poe Rich who are like Kid Twist and Poor Rich were this tag team from the WRC days. They were incredible from Canada. They like Kid Twist was once had the title in KOTD. Um, they were like two of the best and Bender also had the title in, in KOTD. He was, he was one of the best uh, rhyme schemers uh, like Tormila because it has like anti-Semitic connotations in it. Um, <laughs> uh, but there's a uh, U-turn Dr. Robert Oppenheimer, the uh, the and his top squad of top advisors to uh, side and compromise with all the Holocaust deniers and leave everyone in the motherland. Uh, anyway, so that that rhyme scheme is like known as like top ten of all time, uh, like uh, multi-syllabic rhyme schemes, and you just see me in the back of that like. <laughs> Just like, whoa, what's happening? And also at that event, I, I, Iron Solomon uh, was at that event. I was like, oh my, that was, that, that whole event was just like one of the highlights of my life up until that point where, where, uh, yeah. The le this two on two legendary clash with Iron Solomon there. Um, there was like a funny moment at that event where my father, he, he always had this dream, like he loved Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, he, he went to, he, he, when he was like, he'd go to Texas, he'd go, my grandfather was a rabbi in, in Houston. He, uh, he, he met like my, his mother kind of would like go to our, 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 our Sabbath table, our Sabbath meal. And um, so like when my father met Bob Dylan, he was like, oh my gosh. And my, my, they kind of jokingly said, uh, my grandfather's his is Bob Dylan's like Southern rabbi, but when my father met him, he was like, "Oh my gosh!" And he 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 went over to him. He was at a bar, and he said, "Bob Dylan, what are you doing with all these uh, these non-Jews? Why why are you hanging out with all of them?" So so that was kind of like a, a big moment in my father's life when I when I uh, met Iron Solomon. He was out in the out in the streets. Everyone was like smoking whatever. I went to him, I was like, Iron Solomon, what, what are you doing with all these non-Jews? And I like relived that experience with my father. Um, but anyway, that, that whole that whole event, everything was just, it was like the highlight of my life up until that point. Um, and and then then like I, I performed, I, I battled against uh, against Teddy KGB. I was scared out of my mind. Like I got through my rounds, but just like, like a deer in headlights. Um, and then, I don't know if you know Corey, uh, Corey Sharon. Sharon, he's like a legend also in battle rap. He judged the battle. It was just like, ah. Oh. And then that that night, I I judged Cool Man Logan's battle <laughs> against uh, Natural Selection. And I, I, I think I, I gave my my vote to, to Cool Man Logan. Shout but, out Cool Man <laughs> Logan. So yeah, shout out Cool Man Logan. In in that battle, like <laughs> it was just it, the whole like 
being part of that world at 15, kind of uh, entering into it, allowing allowing this kid to 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 strut his his creative uh, wings and really like work on it. That to me was like really impactful. And yeah, we're still in high school, but um, yeah, I I feel like my my infatuation with battle rap is a very important part in in my creative growth because also that that kind of i felt connected to okay there's epic rap battles of history but then i really connect to rap battles and this is my way of using a jewish you like being part of the rap battle world but in a jewish way and that, that i could feel comfortable because there was there was still that feeling in the rap battle world of I don't want to talk. I don't want to make jokes about how this person, how oh, this person's acting gay, or I don't want to make jokes about um, like swearing. And any of my lyrics, I never swear. There's a there's a rap battler who also is a genius. Like I love him so much, um, uh, Isaac Knox, and he's like one of his brand things was crit like incredible freestyler. He he has this uh, this freestyle show that he does at Disney like an hour show every, like he does it five times a day where he just freestyles um, an, an amazing show. Um, so Isaac Knox uh, to me was also this, oh, you can, you, you don't have to, and uh, you don't have to, you, you can find your own brand within rap battle and just live up to it. Isaac Knox was one an individual who like cr uh, crossed boundaries in, in not like allowing for status quo, uh, um, like gang rhymes, uh, there's a, uh, he's escaping me right now, but he's all, uh, ugh, he's a redhead. He like, what's his name? I, I anyway. don't know. I, I'm not sure I don't identify a redhead bad rapper. No, no worries, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, there, there's like a few people in the, in the rap battle world. Uh, the saga is another one who like also speaks from like, like uh, Jesus loving and like religious place and seeing seeing people cross boundaries in brand. Oh my gosh, Shuffle T, like he he he's a stand up comedian who's also just a genius rapper. And I, anyway, like the world of rap battle. Also, the fact that you it's all about branding yourself. It's all about um, embracing what your differences and what you contribute but it's so like the people who are successful are so real and just so also so talented um that was another thing that like i really loved with rap battle is you don't have to there's there's a guy back in the day cheddar cheese and it's just completely the like you know, such skinny arms. He looks like he's from Big Bang Theory completely. And he's just very talented and very funny. And he has a place in that world. You know, there's there's a lot. Corey Sharon, he, he, like he has Asperger's and he kind of like, you know, some of the like signs of Asperger's, you know, like waving arms and different things like that. Um, but he like, he uses that as an advantage and he embraces it in a way that's that's just so beautiful like there there there's there is within rap bat within rap battle and it was hard for me 
to find it. And, you know, it's, it's, it makes it much more challenging to be, to be skilled at it, but then also to limit yourself with, oh, I'm not going to engage in this content. Aaron Solomon has a whole thing about, uh, he, he never takes anything into racist territory. And it's funny because like he he doesn't draw lines with a lot of things about like you know sleeping with this guy with with his girlfriend or you know you know he, a lot of his stuff is still edgy in different ways but like he'll never he he never would take it into to races that was the line he drew um, so where where people can can base all their content with a line that they draw in the sand um, all, all of that is. Uh, the redhead guy, his name was Carter Deans. Anyway, <laughs> I just, <laughs> it, was, it was bothering me. Um, anyway, yeah, and, and that there's space for all of these, the inclusions of all of these different kinds of voices and all of like people who are, people who are extremely nerdy and like they're, they're really leaning in towards their nerdiness um, is super cool. And, you know, like in, I don't know, in, in you have that also in, in just like music world and hip hop for sure. No, no question about it, but um, it, it, it's just like a complete, uh, you know, like how America's like a melting pot and then Canada's like a mosaic. It's a mosaic for sure, the, the rap battle world. And yeah, it's, oh, there's, there's in different countries and it's, I, I love it. Um, what was challenging in, in high school was that I, I couldn't really share it with anyone. And it was, it was like, can you elaborate on that? That is like, okay. So first of all, thank you. I mean, I'm gonna hope that we get a little iron Solomon clip out of that. And then maybe we send it to iron Solomon after and he watches it. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I'm, I can't promise anything, but I know I can DM him now, <laughs> but like, um, the other part was like, yo, I recently got into loving battle rap as in yeah. it was as recent as my dude hit me up and said, you're interviewing Iron Solomon. And I'm like, who the <laughs> fuck is Iron Solomon? I swear. Who the fuck is this guy? Iron I, never, Solomon. I swear. I had no idea who Iron Solomon was. Never heard of this fucking guy. My inspiration. I know. And a lot of y'all were like, bro, how are you not? And then he looks like me, bro. I look at this picture and I swear it's like me in 10 years. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Oh, so now yeah. I'm interviewing like me in 10 years and everybody knows this guy. So he already owns the look. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, fuck that oh. shit. Um, but then I talked to him and he's <laughs> wonderful. And so I actually watched like all of those battles yeah. recently in my research for him. And he does music yeah. and his story is incredible. And then he came back and did a part two with us because he's just wonderful like that. But um, for all of you out yeah. there, you should definitely like look into Iron Solomon's stuff. He's like sincerely incredible. Shout out Golden Jenny from Norway. Um, but like, so then yeah. I get into this culture. It's to the point where I, I subscribe to the URL app. I got to that point in life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just watch them now as I talk to battle rappers and learn about their histories of battle rap and as such i mean to be fair uh flaco bale was involved in grand tan east coast so it's cool to like have a guy that was there and being like involved in it and like worked with poison pen in them so like it's cool but then you you were like it's just like you just did a 20 minute rant almost on battle rap being amazing walking through like all your favorites and to see that that's really cool for me 
because I got like this like sort of context. I don't know all the names, but like just to watch your passion and how impactful the fact that you were like at 15 years old in Montreal's little dabbling with KOTD back then, judging a cool man Logan battle. Like what? Who the fuck is Revere? You know, like this guy's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. to make it even more interesting, you're like, and I had to keep it all a secret. I couldn't tell anyone at school. What? Why? <laughs> it, it, it felt very lonely. It felt very challenging to um, to to have this this world that felt a little secretive because, um, I mean, uh, it's it's inescapable hip hop already, you know, there's, there's a little bit of like, um, you know, I, I listen to the music, but like, you can't, my parents can't really hear the words. They're rapping so fast or whatever, but like in a battle, like someone just says like, uh, like, you know, a, a homosexual slur, just like very loudly or whatever. That's like, that rings through my house. And, and then that coupled with the, the laughter and the daps that comes with it, um, it's it, it's something that's that you can't really hide, and at the same time, I I I can appreciate the creativity behind it and everything, like everything about it is that's such a, a clever way of calling this person gay, you know. So it's like it, it was very challenging from that perspective, but then also people like hip hop, people like what they heard on the radio, but this is a very niche subculture of that world that my, like I would tell my friends about it or whatever. They didn't know about it. They weren't into it. And so, so it was something that I, that I enjoyed. I kept quiet and silent. It, I mean, even at that time, it was a little bit of like a, a YouTube subculture. It, it, that's facts the, though. No, that's big facts. Yeah. The, the biggest battle at the time probably was like in the hundred thousand range um there was one battle that like ever got to like a million and it's like the legendary battle that like everyone talks about that transcended uh rap culture and everything which is loaded lux versus calico that that like went, that changed rap history and that i think like squeaked by with a million so yeah and that that was probably like yeah, 2000, Summer summer Madness 6, probably like 2008, 2009, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was barely squeaking by as like, you know, viral or anything like that. And it, it my, my, the world that I was in wasn't really so privy to it at all. So, yeah, um, it, it was, it was, it felt difficult because I loved it and I, and I just no, no one I knew was into it, so yeah, that 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 was that was an interesting, but but it was a world that I wanted to be a part of because people that were in that world, in my mind, were at the pedestal of m most genius indi like individuals that I've ever met. Like every their their lyrics, everything about about the um, the 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 cognitive in like the intellectual um grandiosity of what they were pulling off on just the multiple registers that they were speaking 
was mind-boggling. There's they were just they were doing multiple things at the same time. And then you get into like Daylight, who is a performance artist, at like, yeah, and completely mastered um, how to speak to troll culture in a way where not only is he a performance artist, but he is a talented performance artist, and he's like very conceptual in his wordplay. And like everything that he does is just thought out in a creative way that I want, I I I want to be a part of. I want to enter into that world. Like people like like Daylight, and, and he's just one name pushing the boundaries. People like Hollow to Dawn, who, who just everything about his package is just so pristine and clean, and yeah, um, the yeah. multifaceted of of the world anyway so you we, uh, so you're, yeah, I, you're involved I, I, in that right? like it's cool though yeah. because like it is such a like you're part of it at 15 so i mean your right. passion for it is cool and giving the love back to it is just amazing but yeah. like so you're doing that you're are you battling more than once or was it just like you did the one battle and it just kind of ended there for a while so yeah, I mean, there were mo there were a few other battles that like uh, I don't know if you, you met Medi Meds. He uh, he he comes to some uh, end of the week stuff. I like, think I have him on Facebook, but I haven't met him. I had a whole I had like a whole battle prepared for him, like memorized everything, and then they have the event. He didn't show up. I'm still bitter. <laughs> um, but no, like there were a few of those, um, but things kind of like uh, sputtered a little bit with the Montreal division dissolving. Right. Um, yeah. And it, what's really cool is that like I got onto KOTD before, um, before they had like other channels. So like right now, the quality control that they have to be on the KOTD channel is so hard. <laughs> um, like, it's only it's only people like battlers that they pay like ten thousand dollars at least to battle and who've like been in in it for many years, and and so up until last year when I or like two years ago when I like I was kind of resurfacing making my comeback into the battle rap world um, because like for years I was like oh it's not in Montreal then I guess there's nothing that I can do and DMS didn't exist for a long time. And then I met a disciple and he's like, you know, there's leagues like in Ottawa. And stuff. <laughs> it's not very hard. <laughs> and so that, that was, that was a funny, like, um, and then I was like, oh yeah, I can, I can just travel to Boston. I can just travel to Chicago. I can just, and so I started traveling and battle rapping again and like really taking it like, oh, I, I don't have to be bound to where I am. When I traveled. Do that? I, um, that, that was 2019. So just like after many years, my battle against, uh, I think 2010 or 2011 was my battle against uh, Teddy KGB and then 2019. So in between, I had a mentality of, oh, Montreal's division died. Also, like that was around when I was really getting like basketball became a full-time job and I was like a part-time student, <laughs> like in my mind. I was training like 10, 12 hours a day, uh, basketball. Um, and yeah, also my father got sick. There, there are a lot of different things that kind of like, uh, happened. Um, but, but 
through that whole time, then I like I I was a, a sideline battle rap fan until I came back in 2018 uh, when when DMS they had like a university uh, McGill versus Concordia event and then I, like I, I jumped in and then I was like oh yeah this is this is what I like I love battle rap and I and through that time I was like with my teams and everything I was always like doing rap battles street battles those types of things but not not in, in leagues and stuff so so that that was that, uh, uh repair battles on the internet it's one of the few if you type them into youtube it's one of the only things that comes up <laughs> yeah so no yeah definitely definitely uh in my journey the rap battle world is near and dear to my heart very very much so um but uh also around that time was when I was really starting to pick up uh, like music. Um, around which time? When I went oh, to Dawson. Like 2000, 2000 times. Okay, cool. Yeah, 2011. I graduated 2011. So like when I went to Dawson, I, 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 uh, I met like a lot of people through my team. And then uh, I, I started going to like to different clubs I, I hung out at like uh the african legacy club and uh, there's just like such a great uh, group of people and we talk about uh um you know racism and different things in, in and in when i was there like there were a few people who were rappers that I, I linked up with and they told me about um this youth center in in cotonege which is an amazing youth center called no bad sound and they said you can you can book free free sessions and so so i i i worked i went with one of the guys there d jazz and i started uh like we, we would just go back and forth freestyling and at that point i'd i'd been freestyling for like three three four years i'd, I'd been developing it so so I, I i was starting to like get confident in it um and so i, I collaborated with d jazz a bit and then then I was going to No Bad Sound every week, and I'd I'd I'd, I'd write the song, going into it, um, and record like I'd make a song in the in the hour session. I'd go th I'd go through beats. I wouldn't I'd write the song before I had the beat. Um, I'd I'd listen to beats and whatever the beat was, then I'd I'd mold my flow or whatever to fit the beat. Um, and it was like these very efficient <laughs> sessions where. Um, they had they had Dr. Mad. He's a great engineer, sound engineer, and it's it's a really incredible youth center where they have workshops all the time about money management and all sorts of uh, opportunities to perform. And so I, I really developed as an artist uh, going there. And I, like my first song was about internal conflicts. And as like conflicts, conflicts. Welcome to my daily life. Conflicts, conflicts. You think I'm a baby, right? Anyway, so then like one of my mistakes of that song, um, I, I said like conflicts, cornflakes, and then then like that like Dr. Mad would take like some of the uh, the bloopers or whatever and put it at the end in the outro. He had like this style where it added like a, a fun-loving character to the songs, and then. And then, so he's like, oh, conflicts, cornflakes. And I was like, my next song next week, I'm going to come and I'm going to write a song about 
eating cornflakes. <laughs> so then, so then, like, then that song uh, was about cornflakes, and it was like a love song, like, all I wanna do, yeah, do, yeah, is eat cornflakes with you. And like, I go through the song, like, uh, I don't wanna go on a date, I, I don't wanna do any of these things, I just wanna spend the night with you, like, simple, have cornflakes, whatever. And then, then that, I made that song, and then he's like, oh, you're talking about food. Next, next time, do like a song where you incorporate the four food groups. So then, like, then that was my my prompt. And I just like each each week, I just go back and write a song just in the moment, uh, like, and it was that was that was when I felt a feeling of just such high um, because I'd, I'd get the songs, I'd listen to my own music in a way where it wasn't me before I'd make the beats very simply and I wasn't good at it and it wasn't great music, but I just go through beat tapes with him, pick a song. And in an hour, I, there was this creation that never existed in the world and it was a full song. And it was, it was amazing. It was just an unbelievable feeling. So I, I attribute a lot of my artist development and love for making music in a real way where I was actually working with a sound engineer and developing my sound and everything with him um, with through through No Bad Sound Studios. And that's where I met, I don't know if you know other uh, rappers in Montreal, Marley Kroll, Marley C. I know the name, but I haven't met him. Yeah, so I, 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 we, we started scheming. He's just such a spirit. He, 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 we, 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 we'd scheme about like when we'd perform and he said, okay, I walk in, in an astronaut suit. <laughs> and, and then I start rapping in the astronaut suit. All of a sudden I have a jetpack. I fly into the crowd, you know, like his mind is just big, bold, you know, wild. What's the craziest thing that you've ever seen? And just scheming with him, thinking about, uh, our crew there uh, um that to me was what i'd always sought out in artist collaborations and i i, I really think fondly of like the, the times when when we would i just go back to his apartment and we'd like he'd find a beat and we're like okay let's make a song about this what's the song about those types of things um yeah i yeah anyway no Bad Sound Studios was a pivotal part in my artist development. Um, and I mean, yeah, just such fond memories of, of, of looking forward to going there. And it's right, it's really close to my house. Uh, like it's, it's, the studio is at the bottom of Cote Neige, like right, right before Jean Talon. Right. So it's like a 10 minute walk from my house and just, yeah, definitely. Definitely uh, a great, great, great experiences there, and, and meeting like meeting a lot of the uptown artists. The because like I was I was in, still in TMR, but that was like when I got to meet a lot of the Cote de Neige artists. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, no, uh, no bad sound studios. Chapter two, chapter three. <laughs> no, it's important though because like it shows uh, another. Well, firstly. I'm always up for talking about how youth centers impact people who go on to become big artists because I'm a firm believer that a youth center, especially one that creates an opportunity to link young people with people who do music and then give them opportunities to do shows and things like that, like 
there's a few of these youth centers across Montreal's history that greatly impact such like what one location can impact like a thousand people's lives and sometimes all it takes is to go to like one session at one youth center to like go oh and have maybe that moment that you did and then it puts you on your own journey and a lot of people in montreal have gone through them so it's really cool for you to give love like that to it and to give it its props and it's Definitely, definitely, no, no bad chance to it. And it's like, so you you got your battle rapping, and then you're also, well, I mean, you were a battle rap fan, and then you just migrate hard into now I'm weekly banging out songs about cornflakes and shit, and just taking that skill set that you'd been developing, and a lot of those battle rap techniques, but bringing them back to music. Yeah, it was so exhilarating, making music. It, It was such, like, yeah such an incredible experience and then uh yeah th- this I-, I recorded the song about uh about like what we can read from rap i, I recorded it there and then and yeah it, i like i would experiment with oh i can what about what if i mix mix two different beats and then go back and forth between two beats in a song and like um dr mad would just give me the space to explore and it's like oh Oh, what if? What about if we like pan right one 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 take and then pan left the other take? And what what does that sound like? And he really allowed me the space. I mean, I didn't have access to that kind of equipment or uh, or you know even like even not knowing where to begin in the process. I'd I'd explored with my own beats or you know I took I would take like clips from. Uh, from from intros of songs and then loop them. <laughs> I, I didn't know where you know. I didn't know how to make beats or anything like. So so that that I mean, definitely uh, big props to No Bad Sound Studio. And then from from there, I, uh, I I I was making a lot of music. I was but a No Bad Sound Studio. They kind of ended at when when you're 18, so you can't really go. I think I, I went till I was like 19, 20, 19. I'm still 18. Don't card me. Don't card me in the other direction. I don't want them to card me. In the, but when I was when I was 15 at the club, now I don't want them to card me when I was 19. But anyway, yeah. So, I, I, like, at that point, I, I started to establish like, oh, I I identify with the hip hop world. I'm a hip hop artist. That uh, um, when whenever I like with my basketball teams, I'd be making songs when I'd be when I'd be going to to programs like in the in the Jewish community, I'd do a lot of like fellowships and different and they'd have talent shows and I'd be like, oh, I'm I'm the rapper. I'm the you know, I pull out pull out like a, a, a song that I made about all the inside jokes, weaving them together in a rap song. So I I I was really starting to like take on that identity. At that time, once like I had tracks that that weren't just my own concoctions, but had together like great beats, jazzy beats. Um, then then I started like coming into myself, and then uh, I I I I perform. Oh, I, I performed at a at a show um, uh, with my sister's friend. And uh, like she, she, she organized the show. And at that show, I had this whole set that like, I mean, I, I, I always, I'm very detail oriented in kind of multiple 
conceptual things going on in, in my rap battles. Um, I, 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 like, I, I really love Daylight's performance art. And, and so I, I'd come into a rap battle and completely dressed in, in a costume. And then like, as the battle progresses, I take off the costume and there's like multiple levels to it. And then at the end of it, there's like a punchline that says, oh, you thought that this was a game show? Well, like you're the game show kind of like, you know, anyway, I'm really like going into, into like very creative, deeply creative worlds. That's just how my mind works. And that's why I like rap battles. And that's why I like venues that allow for layered creativity because I love it. But um, uh, so I, I was doing this show where the whole show was, was this progression of this plane crash, but the plane crash was between the Jewish people and God. And it was this whole, this whole, uh, um, each between each song, I had like these poems. And uh, so, so my sister's friend, she saw, she saw that show and she's this incredible penis. She like, she was, she won an award for like under 18 penis, uh, um, classically trained so unbelievable she could she could conjure up a, a, a freestyled song uh with the best of them just in in the moment and she she said oh my gosh because uh, like at the end of the show i did like this like 10 minute freestyle she's like did you did you make up that whole freestyle in the moment and so she's like wow i i, I want to like create a, a collaboration with you and i was so honored because she's this incredible pianist and she has she has this other friend who's a guitarist so her name is lily another guitarist zach and they had a percussionist uh geo so to, like together we created the name zach re like from revere zach re lily geos sacrilegious <laughs> um and so that that was that was like our crew and we would perform weekly at the uh, oh no we we would we would Training, uh, um, uh, like three-hour sessions of freestyling, um, and for me, I was just in heaven because I get these impromptu beats where the whole time she's just killing it, and I could just go and we we'd make like like you said, you made like a um, you made like a seven-song EP or something yesterday. Yeah. We'd make in the in the three-hour sessions. 20 songs and she record the whole thing and send it send it to me in the dropbox afterwards and we just do that week to week to week and then at the end we like we performed uh, like a bit at the like once we felt confident in ourselves at uh, the yellow door cafe and that was like a really cool experience of of taking freestyling and like actually legitimizing it as something not that i would do as i was would walk to games or anything but legitimizing it as um oh i i could i could perform this as a bit and so we'd like say we'd say here's a dictionary choose a word and then uh, i'll read the definition and make like a whole track about that word um so that yeah that was that was like another kind of notch in my in my trajectory Man, and when then, I listen uh, to all the different things you do to challenge yourself to like evolve your game, it, it's pretty incredible. Like, I can see why Olivier is like, I'm picking Revere. And I'm like, fair. <laughs> I respect that choice. Uh, but like, <clears throat> no, it's it's really like, 
like, damn, it's like you just get bored with everything and up the ante consistently <laughs> and find new and more interesting ways to challenge yourself. Because keep in mind, you're going to school while you're doing all this. Right, yeah. Academic all Canadian. <laughs> no, that's a lot. That's, 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 uh, that's yeah. a pretty big amount no. of accomplishments. So you're in the school. Yeah, yeah, no. And you're performing yeah, weekly. Yeah, so that, that was... I, yeah, well, we, we didn't perform weekly. We only performed... Oh, my bad. Like, uh, you jammed weekly yeah, to like build we up. Jammed to... To build up to, yeah, yeah, but uh, um, no, no. So that, I mean, yeah, that, that that feeling of like, what's the new challenge? What's the? But then also, um, I just I feel like constantly this endless uh, treasure trove. Of, not I don't want to call it treasure trove, but just this endless amount of creative buildup that that needs to be expressed somewhere, and it's almost compulsive, where. I, I need an outlet. I need opportunities to challenge myself and to explore different um, limit, stretch myself in, in creativity because uh, because it's it's just so visceral to my to my being. Yeah, but um, like, Revere, and, Revere, yeah, I talk to a lot of people, a lot of people, and your story is just so riveting because of the ways that you innovate. You're like a multidisciplinary artist. Like you just threw it in. Oh yeah, also draw. You know, just out of nowhere. We didn't even talk about that because we couldn't talk about it yet because we're st we're still running through the ongoing tangents of how you got bored and evolved into a more interesting artist. And like, I just want to just let you know that it's really <laughs> incredible, and you you really are like a mind that people should pay attention to. Like bump that album see what this dude actually do with it you know what i mean like because like it makes me excited to see what you're going to do next you know with your life like because you're young <laughs> you know like you're yeah. not you're not even an old man yet or anything you're just like fuck that i've already taken over the whole world and i'm not even in my prime <laughs> oh thank you thank you i mean yeah i for me like kind of that that feeling of sending out my flares, sending out that SOS. And it's like, I just, I, for me, it's something that just builds up inside and I love it, but I'm also searching for, for that, for, for people in an environment where people love, that, that have like-minded or like-minded spirits and who love that creative endeavor and finding collaborations and finding finding the opportunity to, to, to riff off of Lily was such an unbelievable opportunity. She's, she's one of the best pianists. Like she, she won the award of best pianist under 18 in Canada. Right. Um, and like, so that, that kind of stuff too is just um, to, 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 collaborate and to find environments and, and other creative like-minded creatives is something that that drives me and that, that i feel very excited about um yeah and then like kind of progressing i, I jumped into the like i made my great return to the rap battle world and <laughs> um this is and, like 2019 like we're jumping ahead 2018 yeah and in the middle of this you're basically just going to school and doing your thing and yeah yeah i mean yeah it's a, a lot like a lot of yeah you know a lot of things in life and different 
and stuff. Um, yeah, ba basketball definitely also took a a big space in in all of that. Where, where yeah, you said I, you I, traveled I was, playing basketball. Like, how, yeah, yeah. how did you do that? Like, how did you get to a point where you're traveling to cool places around the world playing basketball? Uh, well, I, I played college ball through CJEP, through university. <clears throat> um, and so, like, in the university level, you, you travel to the States. You, uh, yeah, you, you, you know, there, there's, lots of, there's lots of funding in the university towards, like, their varsity team. And then um, also... Uh, yeah anyway uh it was that was that that was definitely like it took up a lot of my mind and a lot of my passion i love basketball also for for the creativity in it just when i would watch um dwayne wade the way he moved alan iverson was was a ballerina on the court i'd go back and i'd try and i'd, I'd invent a move and then i'd be like oh wait oh Chris Paul just stole my 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 dribble dribble fake and you know constantly like that creative process I I I, I funneled that energy a lot in basketball too, um, and yeah to kind of like continue to the to the music aspect um, uh, with with the rap battle return um, it was it was really exciting because that was also towards the end of my basketball career um, yeah. I, I like that the summer before I, I went to the I don't know if you've heard of the Maccabi games it's yeah. kind of it's the, the third third biggest uh, sporting event in the world um, like there's the Olympics then there's right. the college games international sporting event then there's the Maccabi games so that was like always one of my dreams uh, from a young age of, of being able to represent my country um, at the Maccabi games um, so, so I, I got to live that experience, and I, I, I was a bit at a bit of a crossroads between should I take basketball professionally, or should I move towards towards a different path in life, towards being, becoming a rabbi, towards uh, utilizing music, and it was like I could I could play professionally, but that would just be it, would, it wouldn't be a smart financial decision. It would it would have been just purely for the love of the game and like. I, I, at that point, I developed a, a deep love of basketball, but I, I, I started saying like, okay, but also, how, what are other career paths? If, like, that that will only last me till I'm 40 or something. I need to start developing my myself professionally and being able to incorporate other elements of my life, like music that I feel so passionate about, and and how do I how do I meld those other worlds? And yeah, I mean kind of another theme in, in all of this is there's there's that feeling of dissonance between not not having these worlds connect and me not being able to allow for that me trying to bridge those those gaps together and and use like oftentimes use music as that glue that bridges bridges those gaps together bridge the right. gap bridge yeah the, bridge the gap I <laughs> shout out no every time people say it i get like this yeah it's such a good <laughs> but that's what it is that's why we're doing this is to talk to hey you're in montreal so that's amazing but you're also in like harlem whenever you're in either place whatever but it's also like first of all like a big thing we're trying to accomplish is to add perspective like there's a lot of people who want to claim being the best about a thing or two 
But like when we talk to the level of effort put in and we look at the different journeys and we try to kind of explore, I guess, how hard people try. Like I had this fascinating conversation with Olivier Bedeau where he was saying in his perception, these are not my words, uh, that like people don't really give it their all and throw themselves into it like it's their entire lifeblood. Right. Like the raison d'etre. And uh, I mean, after five hours... I feel like he won the debate and I felt very sad that I did not win that because it's like being wrong about that subject isn't great. But when I talk right. to you, it's like, nah, Revere's here. Revere's a passionate fellow who has definitely decided this is going to be what it is. But it took time to like get to a point where you're going to be able to meld all these universes together and pursue it. And even then, like, I'm not trying to like generalize for the scene. There's a lot of different people doing a lot of amazing things. That's my general stance on it. But it got me thinking about, you managed to clock so many hours performing and practicing yeah. your craft and your skill set before yeah. you even get to a point of rabbinical school that like how can somebody just come in at 28 as an example mm. just start rapping and actually think that they're going to come through and be the best guy in the city or right. even when I was 25 I was a little arrogant when I came into the game and I thought I was right. the best but you were like technically already battle wrapped by the time i come into the game right right you know like yeah. so it's, it's important just to hear how much has been done here but also just to see the different things people do to better themselves and then hopefully right. other people end up watching this and they can like internalize and be like yo if revere's doing all of that what am i yeah. doing on my game what am i doing right. on my craft and right. i'm cool yeah. and, I, and i love that passion and I love, it's inspiring to me to see how how hard you work but also because you put in so much foundational effort when you were young you don't have to learn as much now you know it's more like how can you challenge and evolve shit into this crazy nifty weird ideas that take what you've seen and go in the revered direction with it and yeah. that's the yeah. part where it's like truly like damn revered's on some real artist shit <laughs> like next level <laughs> artist shit Okay, so you come back to battle rap, um, and what was the, the where was the first battle when you come back to battle rap? So it was uh, um, at the Belmont, um, and uh, Fizi, uh, this guy, this guy, kind of was the middleman between him and Fizi. They were doing this university uh, rap battle event, and what was really cool for me was. It was scheduled on the day of my last practice. So it was, it was really at the end of my basketball career where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm transitioning away from, from the basketball lifestyle. And now let, let me really go all in with, with music. And, and at the same time, like I, I just recorded um, my, the 20 minute song, the 20 minute song about my relationship to basketball, like uh, the Tomastic Disputation. Uh, so it was kind of like, even in my creative process, I was like, I was transitioning in, in, in myself feeling like, okay, I've made, I've, I've, I've turned the corner in basketball. I've, I've resolved it. I've created some resolution in my life about it. Um, and it has its termination. Let me transition into, into the uh, rap battle world. And it was tough. It was tough. I, uh, um, uh, I, I felt very, um, 
kind of, I, I put a lot of energy into the conceptual aspect of it, but I didn't have enough time to memorize it. And other people kind of at that event, it was, you know, it wasn't professional rap battles, it was like university. They're kind of like reading from their phones. And I mean, that's like a huge no-no. I, I know, like knowing about the battle rap world, you can't read from your phone. But <laughs> from, from my own perspective, there was like, there was no, I, there was, there wasn't enough time for me to to have gotten my bars out uh, without that. So I, I figured at the very least, they're gonna relish in like the complexity of my lines. Um, and so so uh, it didn't go so well. Basics was at that battle and like the whole time, she, like I, I was battling Bea Da Vinci, uh, a, a female Filipina artist, rapper um and the whole time like basics was like oh and, like get served revere <laughs> um and yeah it was i mean it was very hard because like i gave i really put a lot into the the lyrics of it and really was like proud of kind of the intricacy of the lyrics but it was it was a great moment in uh, a learning moment in um, even if I would have gotten the lyrics off cleanly, there's a difference between the amount of layeredness that is acceptable in, in rap battle, in the rap battle culture versus esoterica that becomes alienating. And so that was, that was something that I, I still kind of struggle with a little bit, um, because I'm very internally ref referential, um, in, in my writing in my lyrics and, and, and. So for me, the, the more layers that I can pack into a, a sentence, um, I can't think offhand, but there was, there was one, one, one line that I had about um, like an alien, uh, an alien, uh, what's it called? Uh, with an A, anyway. Uh, <laughs> an alien with an A. <laughs> The alien uh, when when they uh, when they take someone oh uh, abduction alien abduction okay 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 abduction yeah. yeah so like I had a line about alien abduction and uh, and that line also referenced because that that week there was uh, it was the the area twenty two so it referenced area twenty two alien abduction alien abduction like talking about um, uh, like uh the heightened it was like during trump and like when he was like abducting aliens from mexico and like and so i'm talking about area 22 what's happening alien abduction uh there, there was about six different like internal puns that were going on like on each word like um and then at the end of it uh like i said like i i corrupt circles around you i crop circles around you um but like that kind of level of intricacy is is really cool to analyze and to break down it's just it's completely inaccessible for an audience and that was that was a very challenge that, that was something that was very challenging for me because when i hear iron solomon when i hear other rappers who who uh, um, Aaron Solomon did a whole thing where 
he was talking about different subjects in school. And then at the end of it, like he, he went through 12 different subjects in school in a span of four lines and then ended it with a punchline. And the whole time he was rhyming, I'm like, there are so many registers that are going on at the same time. But still, if you break down that line, it's very clear what he's doing the whole way through. It's very, and it, I'm not alienating someone by having these multiple layers. And so that's kind of like a level of genius that, that I needed to kind of like discover and appreciate. Because for me, I was like, if I could pack in a third, oh, if I could pack in a fourth meaning, then let me go for it. Let, let me let me not uh, hold myself back. And then, oh, actually, I could find a fifth and a sixth one. Oh, people are gonna love this. Uh, but what is what does alien abduction have to do with? And this is like at the end of it, it almost feels like I'm lost in my own head. Um, but no, I, I got I got super super into the details of it, and um, it, it was it was yeah, a good learning experience. What you just said just translates a lot into underground hip hop of the more right. backpacker variety. Right. Where, like I do the album reviews, right? And I went from like highly appreciating the writing of triple entendres to, I don't know that I ever would listen to this shit. Like it's so great right. to like scholarly analyze, but then like, how is hallelujah like one of the world's biggest songs <clears throat> there's so it's few bars weird. in that shit right it's just that word some almost like you know like and then you get to like the subject of lyrical and how it just stops at hip-hop when people debate it and like yo but isn't like rock music lyrical or right isn't this you know so accessibility is huge if you're trying to like reach people and exactly yeah the fact that you can like recognize that being hyper complex isn't necessarily going to make people want to try as hard as you put into it to like analyze it it's a huge lesson like basically aesop rock had to learn that lesson because his current music yeah. is mad accessible and super right. still like on point with his like complexity but like you can rock to it in a way where his old shit you gotta bust out a dictionary to fucking understand some of the language he's using to get the connections and you might right. want to do that but you also might be in your 30s and be grateful genius exists instead right yeah no i mean i i go back and forth between between that feeling because a, a huge element of that create creative output for me is it's it is an internal conversation it's like in, in the song in what in the song that I had uh, where I, I go through like uh, my relationship with uh, with basketball um, I have uh, like a scheme that runs through the entire song where I I slip in puns kind of like like it's almost like you wouldn't even notice until you like you, you're looking for it uh, with with wordplay on every single country in Africa and every single team in the NBA and like and kind of this symbolism it is is that that feeling of of um am i appropriating african culture um by by like really loving and, and being part of 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 uh of, of the hip-hop world and like is is this something that that i i'm i'm uh, 
taking my own Jewish culture, I'm, I'm pulling it away from myself and, and, uh, um, and gravitating towards, towards this other culture that like, isn't, isn't, that, that isn't like, it, it's almost, it's almost like a colonialist appropriation of, of that culture. And then kind of like the rebuttal to it is that every NBA team that, that black culture is something that like, that is above, above, um, above that point in, in a way that we can all appreciate and value like all of the contributions to black culture um, and the hip hop culture um, through like the NBA is something that, that is, is branded that isn't like, like uh, isn't black. It's, it's above all of that. And it's, and it's, it's something that like really shows progression through, through, through a, a, a difficult um, history where on the other side, there is great um, triumph. So like that, that for me, like that symbolism is, is so important to the song and it's almost, you can hear the entire song and not even hear it at all. Or like kind of be like, oh, why, why did he just say Nigeria? But I was saying like deny jeering at, you know, like <laughs> where it's like, oh, oh, he just said deny jeering at and then that, that was part of that sentence. But um, like that, that kind of complex, it's, it's still something that like, I'm not fully set in on where accessibility is so important, but there's something that's so powerful about allowing myself to dig deeper into those deeper resonances. But then kind of at the end of it, if you, if you evaporate everything away and what you're left with is like a battle rap performance, you're connecting with a crowd in the moment. And I can't alienate the crowd that I'm performing at and make them feel like they're dumb and make them feel like they're not part of the inside Bro, joke. You just, that that's it. That's what people make it do. That's like what, right. I mean, as you see it in a lot of places, especially like, you know, I watch these Facebook battle, like rap groups, not, not, not battle rap groups, but let's just say underground rappers competing with cypher verses and shits like that. And you're listening to these bars and I'm like, the second they start bringing up sports players, I'm like, I just kind of zone out until they're done their sports player bar. Cause right, like, right. dude, I just, who the fuck, like, I have to read paragraphs this long <laughs> on right. Genius to sort of make sense on why West Side Gun said that shit. And at one point, I just said, fuck that shit. I don't, fuck, if I don't get your bar, I don't get your bar. That's right. not on me. I mean, it is. Right. But like, I don't, I'm fine with that. I don't get it. Let's move on. And like, that's what ha started happening is like, I mean, sometimes I do get that curiosity or like the fourth or fifth listen on some shit. I'll be like, yo, that's real, real good. But now you have to convince me to listen to some shit four or five times in the first right. place to ever get to that point where like, I'm going to want to like right. pull out the dictionary to get to the bottom of your shit, you know? And that's like a, right, right. I feel like that's kind of like tapping into exactly what you're saying. So I love that you said it because it's so applicable. It even applies to software development. Okay. Like it applies to everything. Right. Yeah. No, like, cause like you could just take uh, I was listening to J Cole uh, today and uh, you could take like a line, like I flip like exclamation points that it doesn't take anyone's 
higher level of education to, to interpret. And yet, he, like exclamation point, exclamation point, he's doing like a five syllable rhyme with it that like really feeds and sounds sonically is appealing throughout like the, the rest of the verse. But then just like you stop on that moment where he's talking about like making like how he flips money or I, I didn't, I, I, don't, I haven't analyzed the line too much, but the fact that like, it's that it's a, it's a great pun. So speaking of that exact bar, bar I heard yeah. it the one time because I did the album review. Right. And now, I, if I never like went back to that song again, because I don't even remember which one it's on, which is crazy, right? right. Like I, I, I listened to this shit like four times. Okay. Right. Could not tell you what song that's on. Um, right. And you, a lot of people, it might be like their total thing, but I feel like there was one song on that whole album that I really was like. I could re-listen to this and still get a further something out of it. So I find like a lot of the problem sometimes with bars like that too is, I mean, it's clever, but at the end of the day, it's like, congrats, my guy. Like I, I'm not feeling that like extra layer that makes like a bar like truly like, and this is just my taste. Okay. I know people right. don't agree with me. I go back and forth with all kinds of people on this conversation, but like, I don't know like that bar is clever but it just kind of right. ends there and it's just oh, okay. clever and then right, i'm like right. i and then but the thing is is if you catch it the first time then you're not as incentivized to almost go back it's more like those bars where you don't catch it because it's so fucking seamless and then right. you're like listening to this song that you've just been bumping and you're like yo that's oh, yeah. those to me are like the golden i have no examples but those are the golden ones right, right. like right. whereas that example you gave i thought about it too because i caught it my first listen right away popped out right. at me and right. then i'm like okay that's too accessible i think that's where you start going <laughs> to be too accessible uh my my point about it was that it's there's enough creativity for it to be enjoyable mm. and it's it's so accessible that it doesn't it doesn't challenge anyone and you're saying like it doesn't challenge enough but it doesn't challenge anyone in a way that they feel alienated so you're right that it could be like you take it to too much of an extreme where then it's it's boring but for me like for the other extreme but, is, is something that to I be clear you like also went at it from a completely different angle than i would yo it's an exclamation point bar on a six you almost like brought the math in and <laughs> i appreciate that as like a writer who like writes right but as a fan who fans it's almost like i listened to the j cole project and i got left with the impression that j cole still really cares that like people don't know he's famous or something or whatever right, or like right. he makes a lot of i know he charges seven figures for a show now like he brought that up on four tracks and so like these are my takeaways from this j cole project i'm like right. I, I don't know like whereas aesop rock wrote this whole like album uh i forgot something spirit world or whatever and it's kind of like him connecting 
with the spirit world of animals and shit he does a bunch of peyote and crap uh, and he does these trips and some of the songs are like journal entries of these trips and all throughout it it's layered with bars that you would eat up and get like way more than even i could appreciate but like it has this like sonic replayability to it where when i go back to it i feel like there's vibes and energy now a lot of people are gonna be like hold on get the fuck out of here you said aesop rock but i'm just explaining like to me though the writing was just in such a way where like you couldn't get it the first listen but it sounded so good i had to listen more and that to me is like really cool with it but like j cole's like a message guy to me like so it's kind of like i don't know i feel like it was doing a lot of things at once right no interesting not um yeah i mean i i like uh uh no but your point just to be clear your forest hills drive is a masterpiece masterpiece i love forest hills drive and like forest hills drive that's when he really has this like where he really hits storytelling his flow is just impeccable and and like he's really in his sweet spot of of bearing wisdom with great bars in in a way that that like that he's it, it was a really impressive high high of his career um but at no point like while he's while he's telling stories He's never alienating you. Mm. That's so. J. Cole is like a good example of someone. Like Kendrick Lamar is more. There are points where you feel alienated through his literary references. I've never through his literary references. I swear, like I don't feel that alienated. Well, okay, but to be fair, okay, I get what you're saying. I did a lot of effort and had a cultural like understanding of a lot. Like I, I, I was fascinated right. enough by the way he wrote albums to do right. that work on it but let's be real right. like at most the pimp of butterflies where we go that hard with it but that shit just has so many re-listenable songs that regardless of even putting the content on i find regardless of what right. he's saying right. at right. that level he sucks you in in a way where j cole <clears throat> is kind of the opposite you're almost there for the content like look for your eyes only is like it's like a great story it takes like storytelling so far with it but like i don't know that many people really being like yo that song had jams or like Mm. album what's the the one about folding i I like that one is that on that one or is it on the next one or it's on your eyes only i think okay yeah okay that one's a good track but like it's also like it's an okay good track it's like uh in the yeah, realm yeah, of yeah. good tracks out there, like yeah, it's no, like, for sure, for so sure. forgettable. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah. KOD was made in two weeks, and it shows. And uh, yeah, then this one comes, and the middle child in between, and you're like, you yeah, know, like pr- kudos to the the Dreamville Three project that was ridiculous. <clears throat> but like in general, it's like I don't know. He's so into the message, and look, when I was younger, I was like all about J Cole. Like, I was like, this yeah. guy's like the guy. Listen to what he raps about. Yeah. What he rap, And I'm like, okay. Now I'm older and I'm like, I don't even connect with this dude much. So it's like, <laughs> I don't get paid seven yeah. figures for a show. I'm not no, the yeah. guy. Um, it's like, it almost feels like J. Cole isn't comfortable with his success. And that bothers right. me interesting like he he needs to be back in the, in the grind he needs to be in the off season training training 
going hard. But it's but more like, like he needs me to care that he's good in a way that Eminem now needs me to care that he's Eminem does not like the fact that his older fans don't like him and that it's his younger fans that carry him. And this shows right. in his music too. And it's like, bro, I don't even want to listen to your music anymore. You went from being the rap god to the insecure dude. And that bothers me. And like, uh, you broke the illusion of what I got into you for in the first place. And that kind of shit kind of matters a lot. Whereas like, I talked to Revere and it's like, I'm not trying to say you're better than Eminem or anything, but I would rather listen to your music at this juncture of my life. Honestly, listening to the way you blend symbolism and jewish stories and there's like this educational component but you're like you're like an nf track that like isn't just i'm the best mm. and it's really Respect. cool not Thanks. to say that yeah. that's all that nf raps about nf just raps about himself though that's all right. he does rap about is himself right. and the industry and, and i listened to your shit and it came off a lot of that or hobson just dropped his new track and i'm like this is a very whelming hops in by number song. Like people right. are going to tell me it's not, it's not overwhelming. It's not <laughs> underwhelming. It's just simply it's whelming. whelming. It is <laughs> by the numbers. If that came on at a thing, I'd be like, it's all right, but it's not all right enough for me to want to go. What is that thing? Right. It's whelming. Right. It's, it's like eating a banana. <laughs> I find bananas very whelming. So it's a thing. And I'm trying to bring it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. We gotta, we gotta trademark that. <laughs> I'm working on it. Well, I wanna. I feel like we need better Montreal-ish slang. That's just like Montreal. Yeah. Although to be fair, I got that from a guy in New York. So hear me. I'm being another Montrealer, stealing New York shit and appropriating it. <laughs> but that's what it is. Um, hey. So you do your rap battle, and and you you learn the big lesson on accessibility, and then what comes right. after that? Because that's 2019, oh. right? So we're coming up to the these times. Right, yeah. Well, 20, 2018, but like... Oh, my bad. No, yeah. So, so 2018, big, big, big year for me. Like, every, I mean, also, the, the way that I'm kind of like very intense in, in like doing two, three, four different things at the same time uh, with music, like I, I did that also kind of with school, with basketball, uh, where I was in engineering for three years. And then uh, in one year, I did like my my whole, I did the whole political science degree, and added a minor in uh, Israel studies. So like everything <laughs> was like very fast track. Um, so so then like that that year at the same time, I'm like, oh, basketball is this like ten hour, maybe like eight hour uh, hole that I don't have anymore in my life. Like I need to fill it with other stuff. And so uh, at the beginning of that year, um, my sister, there's, there's, a, there's this or, in, organization in Montreal called, uh, well, that didn't exist in Montreal, but like an organization in, in the Jewish community called the Moisha House. And my sister, well, they, they, were, they were doing ads in Montreal that like they want to build the Moisha House in Montreal. And there's like 120 around the world. But Montreal doesn't have it, and and so they wanted to they wanted to create a Moish house in Montreal. So my sister, that's I've been saying my sister, my sister, my sister, created the the group of people to like start the house. And there was a little bit of like, uh, oh, is there going to be a weird dynamic in in the house because we're siblings? 
Um, but uh, we worked through that stuff. And then in the end, she, she couldn't join the house. Uh, and I, I was I founded the Moisha house with uh, with three other people. What's the Moisha house? So it's a uh, it's a, a institution for the Jewish community. They, they, they try and target um, uh, the, the idea of it is that there's um, under there's there's uh, a lot of great stuff programming and everything for univer Jewish university students and like there's a lot of in, in the Jewish community a lot for them and then when you have a family and you have like kids and everything a lot of times uh, those people are kind of covered through synagogue life and like they you take your kids to the synagogue and everything but in between university and synagogue there's like this this moment where you kind of there, there isn't a lot of like support for, for people to try and like be part of the Jewish community and to go to the synagogue, they kind of feel weird because like it's a lot of families and they can't go to the university stuff because like you're, you're, you're like a young professional. So Moshe House really caters to that in between. And, um, and they basically, they have, they have a, a house, um, I, like you, we, we, we looked for a house in Montreal. We found like a great place close to downtown. And, um, and we'd run uh, at that time five, but five to eight events a month. Um, and it's, it's pretty popping. <laughs> like uh, social events, some, some of it could be like um, around the Jewish holiday, but not necessarily about the Jewish holiday, just like a, an opportunity for people to meet. There, there are some like Jewish education events too, um, but at the at the Moisha House, um, what I what I started doing was I, I came up with an idea to like advertise for our events, but as like in advertising, I, I have a mic as you can see, um, so I I'd, I'd record I'd record like like a track whatever, and then the advertisement would would be like an original music video and i was working on my uh video editing and all of those skills um doing a lot of that and also song making and it for me like in in, in songwriting i always i always could just come up with like content about different things but i always needed a prompt an idea that like attached me to it and that, that was kind of like when at the beginning when we were talking about um, conflicts, conflicts, and then the next one led to cornflakes. And you know, I, if you give me a prompt, the, the guy said, "Oh, make a song about cornflakes." Boom! I, like my mind starts going, and then like I'm like, "Oh, how do I make cornflakes interesting?" Oh, maybe it's about like I want to date a girl, but I, I I don't want I don't want all the pressures of of going on like dates and dressing up and being fancy and all of that. I want to talk about just like how have a casual date with you where it's just me, you, cornflakes, and and a good night and like. And so that like, it was like, okay, I had a concept. Now I created a whole idea around it just off of like the idea of like make a song about cornflakes. So I always needed, um, I always needed uh, like a prompt, but, um, but so then like I harnessed Moisha House as an opportunity of like, oh, we're doing an event about like, uh, like wine so let me do like a, a like a, a reggae track where it's like wine for me, wine wine for me. It's a moisture evening, you know, like kind of like go into go into whatever the prompt is, whatever those things are, um, to to work on it. It kind of it, it, like to be 
be directed in in that um and so i mean that was that was an amazing opportunity in my in my music uh career where i was able to like i had it, it kind of doubled where every time i'd make a music video people would share it and everything because not necessarily for the song but because they were sharing the event and then it kind of like i created this this uh like small following in the in the montreal community because people people were like oh that's so cool that you made a song about this this uh apple picking event or you made a song about you know and then it it kind of like doubled where it created success for moisha house because a lot more people started getting interested and intrigued by it and everything like that at the same time um it it was like this a wonderful opportunity for me like to to develop and think about my music and all that so yeah no um that was that was a uh like a wonderful wonderful time in my life and and like also what was really cool that we did was um like the, we used we created albums so we had like a retreat and then we made like an album in the retreat and we we had we made albums about like those events and then it became this thing where people were like like listening to the albums um and the albums brought them nostalgia to the events and it like really became this this way of creating bonds in the community that were like unspoken bonds bonds in the community that were um like it, it yeah it, it felt it felt amazing to to like to use to use the the idea of like how music can connect people in it in this way that there's a purpose with it and that was another moment in my life where I, like i realized there's an opportunity with music to to make people feel good like there's something that's un unspeakable like a, a wonderful joy of of making a song about an individual like and we haven't we had an event about an individual and like to to make a song about that person like um and make the title of the song that person's name like it, it does it does something for for people and like that that was like a really really great way of honoring it wasn't it was it was for me like if i'm if i'm making music and it's about like the nf mode of oh this is me this is me oh look at me then it doesn't feel authentic but if i'm making music about other people and like kind of bigging them up and and elevating them in in the community um that kind of feeling is uh, uh that that's how you that's how you 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 uh elevate other people mm-hmm. it's exactly what you're doing with this platform with the uh, behind the suit definitely like, trying to do that yes <laughs> yeah you're like you're here and you're 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 putting all this incredible work into the to the Montreal community but in doing this work at the same time Montreal is being elevated and it it's like your your work is not just is goes beyond your own reach you're 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 helping flourish the entire scene that is um, a huge part of what we're trying to do here and also just to put it on because we, we suck yeah. at the internet <laughs> a little bit 
Um, I did want to ask though about like your current project because I want to make sure that we get that in uh, and then oh. we promote that like properly a little bit. And if you could just tell us a bit of the story of what you're up to with this project and this like okay, yeah, track yeah. monstrosity that you've created and all of this. Oh. For sure, for sure. How are we on time? Um, we're all right. Uh, I would say like within a half hour. It is really okay. hot. It is like I'm okay. sitting here this whole interview going. Oh shit! Oh shit! The summer is now here. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. um, but like, yeah. let's say like, if we, not to say like rush it, but I just also don't want to get to a point where like 30, 40 minutes comes and we just didn't do it. That was the other oh, part of it because sure. yeah, that yeah. is possible once we pass totally. ten o'clock. Yeah, yeah, no, because there's also you know the whole, whole end of the week connection. Uh, I mean, I there's and just keep in mind, so revere, revere. This is just the first one. Usually when oh. people are able to go past three hours, it just means that you can go past three hours. I mean, we could just spend an hour and a half talking about battle rappers next time, you know, like, but that's the kind of person you are. That's like when you did that, it's like, psh, of course, reviewers getting a part two one day. Of course. Absolutely. Hey, yeah. <laughs> so like, but that's why I feel like the most important thing then rather than your story is to make sure we plug your album proper. And I feel like you're going to take 30 minutes to break that shit down. That's why I'm like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, no, no, for sure. Uh, so, I mean, there's the, the buildup of the, the project. And then also what I'm doing now is, is really perfect towards, um, I, I, I'm really excited about this next leg of my journey and everything that I've come from, everything that I've built up really has led me to this process. Um, so at the beginning of quarantine, uh, I'd, I'd already been in discussion with uh, my sister. My sister, she just started a, a rabbinic school last year. Um, and it's, it's really innovative because especially in the religious world, um, there aren't a lot of female rabbis. Um, so she started like one of the first religious, the, the school started 10 years ago, uh, religious, uh, um, uh, rabbinic school that allows women to also be rabbis. And so she started and, and we were talking like, okay, how do we develop our, our voice as rabbis? I mean, we don't want to like be, cause I, I started this year too. And we don't want to be graduated and then trying to develop our voice graduated and then looking for for congregations and stuff to like, oh, I, I have a lot of potential, but like I haven't done anything yet. So so we were, you know, thinking about like using these four years that we're in school now. It's almost like another degree um, using this time to to develop our our uh our our voice our, our our artistry and so so we, we came up with this idea to each week there's 48 sections in in the torah throughout the throughout the year that they they kind of each week there's a different one that that we read um to to go through each of those sections and to to write a sermon about it and it started off with just my sister and i and then my father he's also a rabbi um, and, uh, he, he, he got sick about 10 years ago. So it's like very inspiring also when he's able to, to, to write and to, to produce stuff because, um, like his, his congregation is still like very, 
in support of him and like loves his his wisdom but also uh he's he's a quadriplegic where he's incapacitated kind of like from neck down for the most part he has very minimal movement um in his arms and, and like he his his voice is like 15 percent um lung capacity so um like despite all of that everything that he's able to produce and do is just very inspiring so we like definitely we wanted to edge of innovation hmm. so we came up with an idea of like how do we breathe life into this art of of interpretation is by combining those sermons with art and so my father he's uh he's he's a poet he's been a poet for 50 years I don't know if you know during the the beat beatnik period in uh, in New York, um, John Ashbery. Um, he was a student. He was in uh, John Ashbery's uh, um, uh, private uh, seminar, where like he uh, for graduate seminar uh, at Brooklyn College. Um, and so my my father's like he's he's been a rabbi and a poet for for much of his career. And I mean, that's also been an inspiration for like my own creative pursuit is that my father is very verbose, very, uh, he speaks in prose and poetry. And I've always wanted to kind of emulate that, that aspect of him. Um, so, so my father, for each of these, these sermons that the, one of the three of us would write, my father would add a poem, write a poem kind of in reaction to, in, inspired by that, that sermon. And my sister would make an art piece, um, also kind of where it like brings out uh, symbols from that sermon, symbols from that that speech, and then I I would make a song, and so we like that 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 became a weekly endeavor. And at first, there's you know there can be apprehension of is that a sustainable model because we're like it's for um, creative, deeply creative outputs that we need to produce on a weekly basis. Um, but it's also uh, the language that we that that we've developed for for many years. My father's been a poet for fifty years, and my sister, uh, she she does a lot of art. And I I've been I've, I've been making album after album constantly. So it's something that like I felt confident in our ability, but it was still a bit of a stretch, and like we needed to really. Uh, hunker in and push ourselves to do um but at the same time in that process um i was like okay we have this really innovative project and this concept but um we should look towards like the jewish community to find opportunities to uh to to, to fund it to like that i don't just make songs without getting them mixed and mastered and you know putting it out in in a in a way that's pristine and especially you know um uh that like if, if you're branding yourself as like putting out a project and you're putting out quantity you're putting out a lot of something and you don't get it polished then people will give it like 30 second listen and listen like the quality is the baseline it doesn't matter how creative and how interesting and how how uh, um how unsustainable it, it is to imagine like how you're able to accomplish something, the quality is the package that it's in. And like that, that's the first thing. So it was very important for me to, to like 
be able to seek out in, in, in the Jewish community, but also it's, it's something that's valuable to the Jewish community because it's this innovative way of teaching Torah, expressing it in a way that like has uh, 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 multiple conversations going on at the same time. There's a poetic access point. There's an access point through just music and like you can, you don't have to understand, you don't have to read the, the five page sermon if you just listen to the song, you you can kind of get it, you can vibe to it and and enjoy it for for the aesthetic purposes of 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 the song or or like a picture with with symbols. It makes it very accessible in many different ways. Um, so that being said, we we worked on the project and like also I, I sought out from uh, the Montreal Jewish Museum. They they were very pivotal in in supporting. Uh, in supporting uh, the mixing and mastering of, of the music. Um, the, I, I did a fellowship uh, in high school called the Bronfman Youth Fellowship, and they supported, um, they supported uh, uh, also, they contributed to that. Uh, there's another institution in, in, in New York, which is very, uh, they, they love Jew, Jewish stuff and creativity and arts and and all, they're they're very intellectual so kind of like different ways of approaching uh, biblical texts they're very up for and so we we also got a, a micro grant in in support from them uh, so th yeah there there was there was a component of okay we're 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 in it for like we have to we have to do week by week by week but then also um, looking out. And looking out into oh, how do we how do we take this to a, a quality and a level that like we can really look back on and be proud of um, that that it's it's uh, that it's it's something more than just uh, like a song that my father is putting on his radio show, but it's something that I can like I I can I can put into like it, it, like you you're a, you're you review albums and to like. It's not just in the Jewish world, but like try and uh, feel proud of like something to present to, to an individual of mm -hmm. your esteem, that, that kind of stuff. I don't want to act like I'm a special person just to put it out there, but I get where you're coming from. Um, yeah. Nah, the quality matters to a degree. I mean, I hear what you're saying. Uh, this is an eternal debate, but with the goal of being able to have something that lasts over time, like for an album, I do think that like the highest possible level of quality you can attain is what you should aim for. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of my like arguments against quality are often not like you shouldn't try to be the best ever. It's more, if you don't have the means to achieve the 10 on 10, take the eight on 10 instead of the zero on 10, which is kind of what you were doing with your dad's radio show back in the day. But for exactly. a lot of people, they're not at that place where you're at now, where, but they're still at the dad's radio show version of their career where I'm like, I mean, you, you could wait for perfection or you could right. get the ball rolling and create the opportunities because like by, by being an actively producing artist, like as an example, your Moisha House uh, adverts, this played into probably other people looking at you and going, oh, he about that, about that. You know, right. like all of these right. things create a portfolio and a package and it might be the most mundane or smallest moments that you catalog or document or produce for that turn into the greater opportunities that you face later on. 
So right. because you have the opportunity to achieve this and you were able to project manage it to effectiveness and you set the quality standards that you felt were important, but also that you're trying to attach a bigger purpose to it, right? You're trying to create educational content for your people with regards to teaching them sermons via art. That goal right. is kind of already going to have some barriers where quality is going to make your life a lot easier. Whereas right. a lot of other people's goals may not face those same barriers. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. Something like that I, I want to, I want all listeners to hear is um, like us in Canada, we're so fortunate that there's like a government that supports and that wants artists to like to create and to produce. Um, some, I, I mean, I haven't received anything yet, but uh, I, I applied for um, the the Canada Council grant, which is usually very challenging to, to even get a profile accepted. Um, they've opened up to early career artists. And um, I, I applied for an early, uh, for, for like an, a grant uh, from the Canada Council that like it's unbelievable support that they're able to, that they're willing to put into. And they've, they've recently just uh, injected an extra uh, $300 million into, into like supporting, supporting artists and increasing the pool of people that are able to receive Canada Council grants that like it, people should really be applying and jumping on on that because it's just an incredible opportunity that Canada values its arts and and uh, it's 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 there it's available um, it's it's still it's still challenging it's still highly competitive but that's like a, a huge opportunity that people should be looking at and like there are there are micro grants. Uh, like a lot of these projects that that are being funded there there are there are like institutions and stuff with kind of within the niche that like i'm creating art i'm creating music with for the jewish community and then like looking within the jewish community but i believe in other communities um in in indian communities in in filipino communities like that that there is organizations that are trying to like support the artists for me i would never have like even felt that immense rush of making music if it weren't for the incredible support of No Bad Sound Studio and finding like those opportunities of people who are investing in youth, investing in young artists. Um, it, it's, it, it's, very, it's very helpful. I, I urge artists to look for those types of opportunities because I mean, for for the work that I that I'm doing, I, I I don't have the financial means to really be able to support um, that vision. But uh, being able to like go from an eight on ten to nine on ten um, can come from being very proactive in in looking out towards what organizations and what micro grants are available um, and to, to to reach out to to find those. Um, no, yeah, it's really it's really good knowledge, especially the fact that like anybody in Canada can go look into that, and a yeah. lot of us don't look into the opportunities. Now, why it's significant is for English Montrealers. <laughs> Yo, you're not getting that Quebec grant money. It's just not happening. Right. So uh, at least there's a bit more money in the Canadian pool. In the Canada Council, there's extra. There's like an extra push for English 
minorities in Quebec and French minorities in the rest of Canada. So there's That's actually big. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna look into that personally because I'm like, Yo, yeah. wait a second. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, that could be kind of beneficial. Um, right. Yeah. Um, but, no, yeah, it's it's definitely like worth looking into, and like dreams are possible through be, being very, very proactive in that process of uh, of seeing what's out there and and, and going for it. Honestly. Um, yeah. No. I, I think yeah. it's just cool that you're sharing your whole story like this. I'm I'm sorry if I'm off, dude. It's like the first time it's been this hot in the room and this stuffy, and I'm like, holy shit, it's been long. But I don't want that to be like not reflective of the reality of like your story is is really cool and just the fact that like 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 you're studying to be a rabbi, which effectively means that you want to be a community leader, and. Right everything you're doing here is trying to like give love to things like there's not a lot of people that take 20 minutes out of their own interview to just talk about why they love other people mm. right like that's noteworthy to me i mean you didn't just do it to like clickbait blah no you were just like you know what people need to know iron solomon's wonderful <laughs> <laughs> and he just ran with it and then Right. like time passed and i'm like yo he hasn't stopped like if i don't stop him he might just like run this for an hour just <laughs> right excited. right and like <laughs> that just raw passion and desire to to like pursue every one of your passions like just a la max find the opportunities like, you're 15 competing at club koi koi doesn't even <laughs> yeah. exist anymore like when you say koi, it's like if you know, you know. Yeah. And like right, that whole right. like universe comes from this attitude that is really admirable that you bring to the table. And it Thank just shows you. in the quality of your work. Um, and everything that you're doing is you basically branch out to the next tier of your world. So Thank you. So what are you doing after this series of album straps? Oh my gosh, that's that's the big that's the big thing that I've been holding for for this whole interview. Um, so, with with this project, I've been I've been developing it and kind of piloting this idea of combining art and Torah and Judaism and like bringing bringing bridging those gaps um, <laughs> together. Um, but uh, the next step of it, something that that like that I loved was that this was an opportunity for me to to be impassioned by this creative process but it was it was it was insular it was me projecting this outwards and like like you said there's there's aspects of it where I'm, it's educational and it's 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 not just like a selfish pursuit but it still remained my father my sister the title of it of this project is called bitsalel koli bitsalel was like uh, the artisan of the temple and Koli means like in my voice. And the idea of it is like the blueprints of the ancient temple from like 2000 years ago, the, the, the blueprints of it were, were created from this artisan of the past, but it's only like demonstrated through the future and through like our individual voices and not something that's, that's uh, uh, like fossilized in, in history but revitalized through art and through interpretation. That's the, that's the concept, but also it's kind of like a play on words because my sister, my youngest sister's name is Tzalel Koli, her middle name. 
and so it's kind of it's kind of like this project is this nepotistic um, sister father family art project that's like very internal and uh, you know kind of that that same thing of inaccessible because it's this internal dialogue and what I like I took this course uh, this year what that was about how do you not be like a lone wolf creating creating creative works and doing like within yourself but how do you as a rabbi the goal is to serve people and to to empower elevate other people um so i i've i'm launching this project which is based off of bitzalel koli but it's called the amen institute and amen stands for art music education nishama which in hebrew means soul um and so the amen institute it brings rabbis and artists together, uh, visual artists together, where they're, they, they're going to be studying uh, like in the same way that like we, we would write a sermon. For, I'm, I'm, I created this fellowship for rabbis that they would write a sermon um, and study that those ideas with an artist and then have an artist who like, it doesn't necessarily come from like a religious background, like an artist who happens to be Jewish, not like a, someone who like necessarily puts, but like very, very talented artist to try and subvert the rabbi's understanding of that text and make them rethink it by having this communal dialogue with one Yo, another. I would fucking jump on that. That sounds like yeah. the littiest shit a rabbi has ever pitched me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's the idea is that from from that the artist will be inspired by like this by kind of the rabbi teaching them but fully like take take this knowledge and think create whatever art you want from it but like use it as inspiration and then then the artist comes and says okay now let me teach the rabbi and teach them my interpretation and come at it like using their art as as a way to teach the rabbi and then the rabbi writes a sermon like scrap everything he knows Write a sermon based off of this interaction and then repeat that for like every week of the year. Um, and, and then at the same time, I'm going to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm creating this institution and I'm going to be present and making songs about each of these art pieces. But now in, like it's, it's another rabbi's sermon. It's another artist's art piece. And I'm kind of like uh, promoting them as much as possible and something so so this innovative course that i took I, I interviewed different people you were one of them and i was really listening for what are elements of pain what are what are things that like that artists who are jewish kind of feel like is missing from their from their their feeling of judaism and what i felt with a lot of them is judaism at its base is so creative and has all of these opportunities for artists to latch onto and to kind of to the spiritual component of it makes so much sense but jewish institutions a lot of the time especially synagogues and a lot of those worlds are exclusive and don't allow artists to like to use that to use that um uh to, to harness their own creativity and to use to, to empower them to be like uh, bastions of wisdom and to spread that wisdom like in the centerfold of communities in in the center of the community to allow artists to be like almost a rabbi voice giving a speech but through their art and through that that uh through that canal so 
So what I'm doing is I'm partnering with synagogues around the world, around North America, um, where each week synagogues, they have like a week, weekly newsletter. And so I'm going to have like a, that each week that these artists are, are making these art pieces, um, I'm going to have the Jewish artist of the week where there's going to be a bio about that artist. They're going to have a blurb about like this art piece and a picture of this art piece that they've done. And like I'm, I'm spreading it to at least one in every state and, and, and province. And I don't know about the territories, but there's synagogues in every province and like really trying to have that, that in itself is, is partnering with 60 synagogues. But like right now we're in five states across eight synagogues. Um, and we're like, I, I'm reaching out every day to like 10, 20, which is trying to, trying to expand it as much as possible where each of these synagogues center artists and have like these Jewish artists of the week where this initiative isn't like, listen to me and listen to my music, but look at all this incredible art and like all these people bring them back to the centers of Jewish community and Jewish life and make them feel empowered and integrate their wisdom. So, so that's kind of like the idea of the, the, the project, but then also there's like multiple things that we're, we're going to host artist retreats with uh, musicians and artists, like, cause like I did an artist retreat uh, before where, uh, where we made an album like over the course of the weekend. And I brought in, I brought in, I don't know if you know, urban logics. Yeah. Big legend in the city. <laughs> um, he was, incredible uh i don't juini different different musicians in montreal and like had them do workshops and then we created art together and we, we made music and it was like such a lovely experience so that's going to be a yeah, component I remember logics actually was telling me about participating in that like before how oh, wow. he was like wow, excited wow, wow. for that shit. like he, I, he didn't tell you, me like it was you or anything but okay. gays uh he, he was like we we talked for a while, like we had these long right. conversations and whatnot. And yeah. um, I was doing album reviews for Sovereign Music Music, so like you know we were oh, nice. chatting and shit. Um, yeah. But I remember him telling me about that, and I was going, I want to do a fucking workshop. How the fuck do people keep doing <laughs> workshops? You know, like it's, it's such a cool yeah. thing to do to like set up oh. to create, dude. Like that's just big props. Fabulous! It was it was unbelievable, and people. There was an individual who came in, and he was like. I don't like the guns in, in, in rap or whatever. And then Urban Logics just broke down the history of hip hop and everything. And by the end of it, he was like, I, we, we, were, we had this concert at the end that, like, of the whole thing. He's like, can I try and freestyle? And he, he like, he, like, he's this elderly man. And it was such a beautiful moment where he, he just opened up to the receptivity of the, the potential. And then afterwards, he was like drawn in. He said, you have to make a, a song about anti-Semitism and like use the power of hip hop as, as a voice for it. So I, I made a song for him about anti-Semitism. Um, but, uh, but it was just like that moment where he came from such a skeptical place and it was just urban logics, passion and skill. And it was, it was such a beautiful, beautiful moment. But um, yeah, so in, in the Amen Institute, we're going to have retreats. We're having like weekly, uh, monthly um, Zoom sessions where all the artists can just share a space and like create art together and meet each other because like every artist is just going to do once one week. But this allows it to be like more community oriented. And at the end of the year, 
Uh, we're going to have like a big virtual art exhibition where each of the pieces throughout the year, it's going to be like a two day event. Each of the pieces uh, throughout the year, they're going to be able to present and you can kind of pick between which breakout room you want to go to to like hear their presentation. And, uh, and they're, they're going to like pr present their art and also have it as like an auction where they can actually sell their art if, if they, they choose to and sell their art um, where it's not just an opportunity for like them to promote their art and to like be centered in Jewish community all around, but also um, that like this art piece can be, they can, they can have this large art exhibition with thousands of people at this art exhibition because it's gonna be promoted in, in hundreds of synagogues throughout the year and like that opportunity is going to allow the promotion of this artist and then allow for like hopefully like a, a nice auction where they're able to sell their art and, and present it yeah. with it's definitely an innovative approach and like it's it sounds like they started something pretty big and they're definitely a way to infuse your love of everything you do into your community and revitalize some of the acquisition marketing tactics used by the greater community to convince folk like me to show up because <laughs> that right. is one of the first times just for any of your people that may watch this as a jewish person here who is not the biggest fan of approaching the community it's not the dislike of the community it's just like you said a bit it's not accessible you feel weird so, yo, if I can show up and at least rap some shit, motherfuckers will look at me and be like, at least this dude can rap some shit about whatever, whatever's. And right. it gives me that, like, entry point to break the ice with, like, a bunch of strangers that I would otherwise have no reason to approach on some shy shit, for real. But now it's right. like, I busted that track, and I know how that works at a show. All of a sudden, the whole room wants to talk to you after you fucking finish your set, but before maybe they didn't even look at you, right? And it right. would have that kind of like, especially for artists, if you're trying to attract them, that like social lubricant that would help most of us who are either super social or super antisocial feel like integrated into that like community. So it's a really cool initiative. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm so passionate about it. And like I'm, I'm meeting with synagogues and meeting with partners every day to like really make it grow and, and like kind of a... Uh, uh, reaching out to like bigger grants that are like trying to you know grants that are help seed funding for um like a jewish nonprofit. that kind right. of thing is very different than what i was able to for this like family uh art project it's kind of like much more insular but now like i'm really trying to to yeah, like you're the big leagues yeah not not settle for um like how do i take what i've already done and everything that i've learned and like elevated to kind of what's the next level? What's what's Man. the new challenge? I love it. How do I how do I challenge myself even more? That kind of thing. Yeah. And I love the fact that your like end result is how can I make the world a better place via my skill set, which is dope. Which is super dope, dude. Like all things considered, I'm gonna keep my eye on that for real because like it's actually super interesting. It's the type of shit. Like yo, my crossroad is all about yo. Give me that random topic and force me to rap a little bit. Right. You know, like, so I'm already on that wavelength a little bit. And just in general, from the workshops to all of it, these are things that I have in my pipeline, in my mind. Like, how can I, because I like just independent of you saying that, like, I was like, yo, those are great community building things. Like, how do like right. tw 20 people go and make an album? You all have a bond. 
for the rest of your lives. You know, right, now yeah. you're more emboldened to like invest heavier together to build even bigger and better things, which is yeah. like, I think we can do it really small scale and, and at home, but we need to learn how to upscale it to bigger and cooler and specialer endeavors right. that involve bigger and more yeah. people. So just to see you doing that in your world is amazing. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's so gratifying when like from that, those retreats, people stay lifelong friends and like people are still messaging, Oh, that person, uh, Jeremy and like intergenerational connections and interdenominational, like just all, different intersections of, of, of people's sexual orientation, genders, everything is like, all of those spaces create like, there's there's equilibrium and there's space for all of those voices in, in creative space. And when people are able to voice their, their and express themselves through, through art, through conversation, through retreats, through experience, so yeah, I'm I'm very excited about this opportunity to to serve other people and to kind of I feel like the rabbinate is all about um, is all about people work and there's this element of God and like making things divine but like at the root of it it's taking these big concepts and allowing people human beings to connect with other human beings. Mm. I like it all. I like that you you made that great. I would love to keep this going, but like honestly, I gotta like, I gotta move on. Not to be rude, it's just this was like, it was a lot, but I gotta eat, and it sometimes oh, the no. tummy kicks in and shit. Um, and I, I mean to end it so abruptly like that. I'm just like it's ten thirty one, and I'm like I want to keep running it. I like this here. I think this is excellent content, but we've hit the ends of my limitations on this extra episode because of my scheduling blunder which was all on me. So here we are. We ran it, and I appreciate you. Thank you all for watching this, too. Thank you, Revere, for doing this. Uh, the Bandcamp's linked below in the video, so everyone's going to be able to see that. Your Insta's there, too. Um, basically, yeah, it was delightful. I think uh, what's really cool about doing this is it gives me the opportunity to see where people's hearts and ambitions and all of it is. And it's, it's, it's cool to just see where everything in your world is aligned, just on all the levels of it. And to be able to show people that kind of a snapshot of who you are like that is just my pleasure, you know? Like, that's cool. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Thank you all for watching this in the future for those that weren't here in the lab at all. Um, like follow subscribe all that good stuff special thanks to the patrons is milk and Amsey, chris pratt and jonathan barnes dj black Herc, and linda williams scribble the dope support what we do patreon.com slash behind that suit all that good stuff on that note i totally appreciate all of you again one more time so live long and prosper everyone and then yeah <laughs> take care everyone mm -hmm.